That's rare air. Attention. The movie guys love movies. Any comments about a horrible scourge that'll ruin your childhood are purely for entertainment purposes only. Isn't that right, movie remakes? I mean, Zika. <laughs> yeah, let it be known. Zika will ruin your childhood. Yeah. Yeah, making it... Not Ghostbusters. No. Not Pete's Not Dragon. Suicide Squad. <laughs> Not Pete's Dragon. Did Zika win the uh, fencing? Is that who? what Zika won? Yeah, I, exactly. I, mean, I haven't been following some of the Olympics. Zika was the person who hit the couch while he was kayaking. <laughs> I love the sanitized uh, Olympics that we're watching. Uh, that they're that hiding is... all the stuff that's clearly going on. Yeah. People are getting their uniforms ripped off. Their computers are being stolen from their room. <laughs> running into furniture in the river. The ch- water is changing colors water during the race. Co- Algae turned the pool green, the diving pool green. Really? Keep diving yeah. into that. I didn't catch that. Oh, yeah. It's hilarious. Because I'm only watching the actual feed. This oh, is the, yeah. This is yeah, the first exactly. year I've had it on the iPad oh, with, like, every event. So I've just watched so much fencing, it's out of control. <laughs> <laughs> and they, uh, yeah, there was no time for them to talk about Suicide Squad. <laughs> Uh, welcome to the Movie Showcast, everybody, part of the vast and sprawling Movie Guys empire. Thank you for tuning in, unless you have a prior commitment, some hideous skirt convention you have to go to. You've reached ground zero for all things movies and comedy. We bring the two together right here in our show every week with rants, sketches, previews, characters, jokes, bits, banter, special guests, and more. You can expect that in the next hour or so as we broadcast from our studio, the Admiral's Club, in the heart of Burbank Airport's flyover zone. Every week we bring you a brand new show, absolutely. Paul, actually, uh, my mom paid back the $10 I loaned her for some food, and so I have the money for the show today. I appreciate that, Bart. However, uh, the show is free. Oh, well, then I'm going to keep that money. All right. And you and everybody, uh, no charge to enjoy our show this week and every week. I don't know what we're, why we're not charging, but we're not. One of these days we're going to look into that business model. <laughs> and we realize we're fools. <laughs> uh, we encourage you also to follow us on social media, at the Movie Guys on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, which is also free. I don't know how they're making money. <laughs> and please get interactive. Basically, just search the Movie Guys at Google, Yahoo, or... Bing! Bing! And we come right up. I'm your host for the hardest working comedy show in the airwaves, Paul Preston, here with Karen Volpe. Is that a big old robot? Bart Caius. Hey, Hal, you got to get in here and take a look at this turd. It looks just like Klinger from MASH. <laughs> and Adam Witt. Turn to the right! <laughs> Joining us the whole show is the film critic and film segment producer for Access Hollywood, as well as contributing to movie shows across the TV dial and the interwebs. We have him here tonight, Scott Mance! What an entrance! What a welcome! I have to ask you, what the hell did I just get myself into? Exactly. <laughs> oh boy! I just gave you a shallow how quote. Yes, you did, and I got your quote for yeah. Raising Arizona, oh, yeah. Coen Brothers, nineteen eighty-seven. What else? What else <laughs> did you say there? Going to keep uh, up listen, like crazy. Scott, you, do you have a quote you'd like to contribute to? You <laughs> are going to have to keep up with me. Yeah, I, I think so. That's rare. What you're the four of you are going to have to be. Like, you're going to leave here and then I could be like, what the hell was that? I that have was a awesome. headache. We were already talking about how underrated Shallow How was, and I think a line that ref- references a turd looking like Klinger from MASH <laughs> gives you some idea of the pure genius behind that I movie. love Shallow How. Shallow How came out on November 9, 2001. It was directed Look by the Fowley guy. Brothers. It was their first movie after Me, Myself, and Irene, which followed, which followed There's Something About Mary. Me, Myself, and Irene. Wonderfully underrated movie. I Brilliant was, comedy. Oh, I wouldn't say it was wonderful, <laughs> but it is underrated. I would say Jim Carrey's performance matches Steve Martin's in all of me as far uh, as two people in one body being brilliant. But, you know, Renee Zellweger, when she was in that movie, she followed that up with, like, Nurse Betty, 
And then she did uh, Bridget Jones's Diary. Then she did uh, she did Cold Mountain in Chicago. She was on a friggin' roll. Yeah, absolutely, she was on a friggin' roll. She was nominated for well, she won the Oscar for Cold Mountain for yeah. supporting actress. Can you name the the release date of uh, any movie I throw at you? Uh, it depends, but the odds are pretty good. I give I you some least, years, but could, you pick out the least, date. I could pick. Usually, I'm good with the with Rain the year. Man. With the year. It's more like Mary Lou Henner. Rain yeah, Man. I'm right, I'm the Rain Man of movie dates. But so when yeah. did Rain Man come out? So Rain Man came out in 1988, December. Sure. Okay, I can get give it down me something to else. I give can me, get it down to come there. Come on, we need you Stephen Lewis Lewis in this. When did Ed Wood come out? Ed Wood came out in 1994. Okay. I'll believe that. I can give you that. I was hoping yeah, to get the you know it was day. the day that Bart and I went to Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> and what theater did I? What theater did yeah. I see it in? And if he can tell the you, museum? hang on. If he can tell you what theater you saw it in, I'd be impressed. <laughs> yeah. that, that I can tell you what theater I saw it in. Yeah. Edward, I saw it at the AMC Century City uh, Mall. Correct. Yes, <laughs> I saw it at the Village. What is it? The Village in Chicago? Oh, the Village North yeah. or the Village? Uh, the one in North. Old Town. Uh, one in, uh, the one near on uh, North. Ev in that area. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, the village. North. Village. Yeah, <laughs> closed down. Hmm. Well, that's, that's why right. they call him Scott Movie Mance, and he's yeah. here for the Thanks, show. fellas. That's that's awesome. to be here. We that's were going to awesome. call our show Movie Mance, but it was taken. It was already taken. <laughs> going with guys. Yeah. And, uh, the proof. Can, can I just say before we get going here, because I can tell where this is going to go. Thank you for making us not feel weird. No, like, not like, at all. We can do this. I am, and we go. Are we outcasts? Kindred we? spirits. <laughs> kindred spirits, Very ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, this is. As awesome. soon as I walked in here, like you, like you made a comment. Uh, you, you said turn to the right. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Oh wait, no, no. Your dog. Your dog. My, my dog is yes. called Doctor. Leo Marvin. <laughs> that was that was what about Bob? Nineteen ninety one, directed by Frank Oz. Oh, came out in the spring. Boom. Boom. Came huh? out in the spring. March. No, it did I not. I think it Maybe came it out April. in the summer. Well, that's when March. It's March. Summer starts in March now. Oh, now, according to the movie now, schedules. Well, I guess if you're going to go like back with like Batman v Superman, which was terrible, but when Captain America March twenty seventh, winter People can't stop talking about 29th. it. 29th. Well, I saw it early. <laughs> I guess. I See, come on. It's Rain Man's here, buddy. All right, listen. Let's get to what the show's all about. Movie previews. We provide full-on previews of everything that's coming out in theaters every weekend in our signature comedic way. If you want to know what's new, this is where you come. Week after week, we provide spoiler-free previews coming to you before the movies have opened. She dies at the end. Of every one. <laughs> Scott's yes. here to ruin it. <laughs> Uh, but listen, see our show before you see the films. Uh, we have three new move uh, new movies opening this week, including Pete's Dragon. Pete's he dies Dragon. at the end! If you know what I mean. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm confusing that with Sausage Party. Uh, exactly. Uh, Pete's Dragon. Pete's Dragon? Well, I hope he takes a five-hour energy drink. Wait, wait, wait. I hope, the, I, I hope the movie doesn't drag on. All right, that's enough out of both of you. <laughs> Also, we have uh, Florence Foster Jenkins, or... I'm coming up with 32.33, uh, repeating, of course, percentage of survival. Florence Foster Jenkins! That's a great joke. Oh my god, he just ran in. <laughs> but first up, we bring you... We live our lives with all these rules, and some of them stop us from doing the things we want causing our deepest urges to be suppressed when they are gathering like wild fire between our legs. Did you say between our legs? Look, Brenda, <laughs> I'm going to come clean. I have feelings for you, I can't deny. Crotch feelings. Crotch? Sorry, but I'm not a soft taco. I'm a hard, horny taco. What is that's, happening? That's Selma Hayek voicing a taco. Ah! 
expressing her lesbian feelings towards Kristen, Kristen Wiig, Wiig, who's playing oh. a sandwich, sandwich bun. bun. Okay, so a that, hot dog bun hot in dog particular. Bun. In that was it from the movie. Yes. Okay, because for a second, I yes. thought it was from the movie, and then I thought, there's no way this is from the movie. And then Paul explains that it's from the movie. It's oh, it's from, from the movie. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. yep. R-rated, raunchy comedy written by Seth Rogen and Adam Greenberg. Goldberg. Uh, Evan, Evan Goldberg. Evan Goldberg. Evan Goldberg. <laughs> you know, they did This Is The End. They did Super Bad. Yeah. They did, what was the one? Oh, uh, Neighbors. They wrote Neighbors. Yeah. Man, mm-hmm. they're on a roll. Yeah. And the interview? Yeah, yeah. and they have a style all their own. And the interview is an incredibly famous movie oh my for God. the political impact of the time. The That's interview, really cool. The interview, the movie that brought down Sony, right? the movie that <laughs> could have brought Crazy. down the yeah. United States of America. <laughs> now that's a movie. It's the interview. Wait, wait. So I saw the interview. Uh, it came out in December, or you know, it, it was yeah. supposed to come out in December. I saw the movie in the beginning of November, before all the hit the fan. Can no, I swear on this thing? Yeah, please. All right, uh, good. Uh, no, I mean, really. all right, Paul has to believe it. Sorry. <laughs> Paul we, are on one, we are on one radio station. Okay, okay. I left it there and was like, okay. yeah, sure, give Paul more work. Who cares? <laughs> so you saw Be it. Be careful. Which, okay, so you I saw, saw it before, before all the all controversy. This happened. I saw it before all this happened. Well, that's interesting. I was at an advanced yeah. screening and I saw it. I thought it was so damn funny. I also yeah. thought it was so damn smart. I compared it, and I know I'm jumping the gun here, but I thought it was the Dr. Strange Love of our time. Oh. Because before it was the politics, be- before right, all this stuff oh. hit the fan, that's and impressive. then everything hit the fan. I'm like, I've liked the movie, but not that much. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I couldn't believe all that stuff was going down. Yeah. I mean, like the Korea, they, they're, they're, they're that pissed off over this movie. Did they see the movie? Of course not. I mean, uh-uh, but, like most no people who get pissed at a movie. But what about what about the Team America World Police? Now that's a really good movie. That was really smart. It had yeah. puppet sex. Mm-hmm. And that didn't piss anybody off. And, and, it's, and specifically, and there's a Kim Jong Kim Jong Il, yeah, right? or Kim Jong Il. So Romy, so Romy, so good, yeah. But um, well, that's the old South Park rule, which is those guys are so outrageous. Everyone goes, "Yeah, it's those guys." Like no matter what they say, they go, "Yeah, it's the South Park guys." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this is also a Sony release. Like did Sony just say, "Go ahead and we'll keep releasing uh, movies from Seth Rogen," even though they all. They know how to get advertising. Seth Rogen almost brought down the studio and the United States of America. That's like in in history books, like 300 years from now. This is the face of the person who brought down the entire country, and there's a picture of Seth Rogen. (laughs) How does that work? (laughs) Like that could happen in an alternate reality. That's what will happen 300 years from now. Well, let's get on to Rogen's first film here. Have you ever wondered what it would sound like to hear a a kumquat? (laughs) It's funny to say. Always. Have you ever wondered what it would sound like to hear? a kumquat swear or a loaf of bread call your mother a dirty <laughs> or maybe you're curious as to what it might be like to have a box of diggum smacks drop the f-bomb well here's your chance finally after a summer where an animal subculture attained the power of emotion and speech every week comes the 3d computer animated parody we've been waiting for it's the long-awaited sausage party adam let's tell everybody what it's about here we All go right. You've seen the photos of Orlando Bloom on the paddleboard. Now see the video with Sausage Party. It's Adam. That's not what it's. That's not. The, that's not it. Oh, okay. I it's wish a, it were. Yeah. It's an animated Seth Rogen comedy. And if you thought Seth Rogen's movies had a lot of wiener jokes before, his latest creation is dispensed with the subtlety in the appropriately named Sausage Party. Sausage Party now joins the famous list of titles that are pretty much dick jokes, like A Hard Day's Night, oh. The Big Short, <laughs> Deep Impact. Inside Man, The Rock, 
and League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. What about Inside <laughs> Lewin Davis? That's really specific. Ah, very specific. Inside <laughs> Lewin Davis. Sausage Party, uh, uh, although the title will confuse some audiences into thinking it's a documentary about the political party that's not running Hillary Clinton, Sausage Party is actually the story of a wiener named Frank. Did you say wiener? <laughs> Frank's determined to get his wiener inside the bun of Brenda. <laughs> Voiced by Kristen Wiig. And all seems to be going well when, like Arnold in different strokes, they are picked up and taken to a good home, only to find they've been taken to a slaughterhouse. When the food we eat discovers that it's, well, food and that we eat it, it decides to stage something of a revolt by causing... Gastrointestinal discomfort, I'm guessing. Sure, heartburn, indigestion, upset stomach, diarrhea. We'll have to see it. We'll find out. You'll have to find out. Looks like this film will make you feel guilty for eating food, which is dangerous. Cut out food, and your only option for dinner is a uh, Burger King. Kate Moss has already said this movie changed my life. <laughs> the hot dogs had no idea their idyllic and peaceful lives could be destroyed by the insatiable appetite of humanity. Probably because they never met pigs, the prequel to all hot dogs. And yet, the foodstuffs are shocked to witness the murder and destruction that is eating. It's the first animated movie to act as a metaphor for the Holocaust, unless you count what Legends of Oz, Dorothy's Return, did to our eyes. Uh-huh. This, looks, this looks like a movie that the Pixar geniuses made for their holiday party that nobody's supposed to see. According to SlashFilm.com, the idea for the movie came up one night while joking around with Jonah Hill. Seth Rogen joking around with Jonah Hill. Yeah, I think we actually have tape of that meeting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just goes on like that. <laughs> Originally set to be released in early June this year, Sausage Party was pushed back a couple of months when, during the editing, the filmmakers discovered that there was a whole 45 consecutive seconds where none of the characters were swearing. Hey, Mom and Dad. <laughs> Mom and Dad, here's some homework for you. Try and explain to your children why they can't see a cartoon movie about talking food. Well, you see, Timmy, this is a movie for adults. But isn't this a cartoon? Well, yes. And doesn't it have funny-looking food talking to each other? That's true, too. But in this movie, sometimes the food says very grown-up things. Grown-up things? Like what? Well, remember the other night when your mommy told Daddy to go f- himself because he's a lazy Yeah? Stuff like that. There you go. Leave <laughs> <laughs> that out. Oh, my. Now that you bleep out. (laughs) (laughs) You said bun. (laughs) So uh, thumbs up, thumbs down on Seth Rogen. Okay, because the room is the room is split. Um, I, I, I like between Seth me Rogen. and everyone else. Oh, he's on a tour. I, thumbs up for me on Seth Rogen. Yeah. I mean, he's an acquired taste, but he does make funny movies. Again, the interview is, is if you take all that political stuff out of the equation, it actually is a very smart, very funny movie. I did like Neighbors. Neighbors 2 was okay. Knocked Up is, is really, really good. Super Bad is good. Uh, and, you know, I mean, he was in The 40-Year-Old Virgin. You know, the first time I really yeah. saw him in a film was The 40-Year-Old Virgin. But I'm, I'm a fan. And actually... I don't know if, if this is why I'm a fan, but I got engaged to my wife on uh, New Year's Eve on 2008 going into 2009. And the morning, uh, you know, we, I took my wife on a hike. We went to a Starbucks at the corner of Fairfax and Santa Monica. And, you know, my wife didn't know I was going to propose to her that night. Her name's Andrea. So we were waiting in line at Starbucks, and Seth Rogen and his girlfriend, I think they're married now, uh, were in front of us. So I thought, so this is what I'm gonna be. I'm gonna remember <laughs> about the day I got engaged was was standing in line at Starbucks behind Seth Rogen. 
So when the movie Fifty Fifty came out, great movie, great that movie. Great movie. Yeah. So I told him that story, and I said, "Hey, you know, like you're really special to me and my wife because we saw you the day we got engaged." And he goes, "I'm sorry." <laughs> <laughs> Now you think of me every time. <laughs> he's just never been a reason for me to see the movie. All of his movies are fun and I enjoy them, but he's not the reason I'm going to go see. Well, I mean, he's the not movie. like Tom Cruise. He's, okay, where you're going to go see the movie because it's Seth Rogen above the title? I don't think so. Okay. You, you've just joined us, but he's not Tom Cruise is a great argument for anything you want Bart to get behind. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise should be should be the new captain on the new Star Trek TV show. That's what oh, I'm going to say. How awesome call. would that be? Never going to happen, but hey, J.J. Abrams, they're tight. Who knows? Uh, you may remember, uh, fans have been listening for a while. We had David Krumholtz on the show uh, two years ago, oh, and he was talking about this movie. I will say this. It's the funniest script I've ever read. I play um, a... <laughs> A Middle Eastern or Arab lavash rap. <laughs> um, it is extremely filthy, but you know, like sometimes there are filthy movies and it's just stupid. Yeah, it's brilliantly filthy. Oh, yeah. uh, it's going to shock people. Good. Uh, I'm, I, I'm the MPAA is going to have a problem. There is an orgy scene that is that I watched the other day. That is, Make you hungry? It's a literally like a seven-minute montage oh. of the most dirty orgy <laughs> you've ever seen, but it's food items doing it. I'm very, I'm very excited. And so was I back then. So finally, we get it. Yeah. Two years after first. It took the MPA two years to okay that thing. That's I a, think they used that time wisely. Mm -hmm. That's a big get, David Krumholtz. Yeah, yeah, yeah he was. Uh, that's we, cool. We were at the Phoenix Film Fest doing the intro, outro, and Q and A thing, and uh, and he. Was in a film there, so oh, yeah. After cool. after the fest, we got him in here to talk about <laughs> it. And I had heard Seth Rogen talking about this film on the Howard Stern show, mm. and that it's coming, and it's, we're going to get it soon, and the movie's on its way. So I had to ask him. I say, hey, you're in this thing, and I, I'm very excited finally to get this. I'm curious to see how they were able to do a not red band trailer. Yeah, because that clip I played is about it. Is about yeah. it. Yeah, and even there, they're talking about yeah. lesbianism and crap. Yeah. And you know that there's going to be those conversations in homes where kids yeah. are like, hey, let's go see the food movies. Yeah, well, they're going to go see, oh, let's see an animated movie. I yeah. love Finding Dory. I was at Epcot Center. Well, you know there's yeah. somebody that's going to make that mistake. Grandma's not going to know, you know what this what? is about. Oh. Grandma's going to get this confused with yep. Veggie Tales. <laughs> yes. well, like, like the movie is basically, mm -hmm. it's Toy Story, but set with food in a supermarket. So grandma's going to go, oh, it's Toy Story 4, <laughs> but with food. <laughs> wah, wah. Epcot Center has a thing where the fridge opens up, and, you know, since you have to learn when you go there, the, this, the, they sing a, the vegetables sing songs about how healthy they are. And mm. now you're so gonna, it's Sausage Party. Yeah, and now this. <laughs> so... Uh, I like Adam? him. I like him as an auteur. I, I just love like like as an actor. You you mentioned a lot of movies he was an actor in, but then at the, the point where he started writing and starring and writing and starring, usually I don't think he directs anything. Actually, yeah, he but did. Didn't he direct with uh, Evan? Didn't he do uh, This Is the End? They yeah. might have directed they that. Did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Directed but that. but as he's progressed as that, it's been an interesting climb, and it really I was forced to pay attention to when they when they did the interview. Him as an auteur because the wor the world exploded over movies suddenly, and when movies get super important like that, it's really interesting. I Adam, in three hundred years, kids in schools will open up their history books <laughs> and see the face of the man who brought down this great country, and that man is Seth Rogen. Now, are you saying that because we actually gave in and we stopped showing it? There we, was that moment where like a terrorist won for like a week, it. right? Yeah. It was just like, uh, what am I thinking of? It's like it was almost like when. Remember that movie, The Insider? 
The yeah. Insider. Okay, when the one go- Russell Crowe should have won the Oscar for. Exactly. But they gave him gave, they it, gave it to him a year ago. Well, they, they, they gave it to uh, uh, Kevin Spacey for yeah. American Beauty. But he, I've always said this about the Academy. At the end of the day, the numbers line up. They're fine. He should have one. Maybe not for Gladiator, yeah, but he should have one. That's totally yeah, it. well, either Beautiful Mind, he should have had yeah, one, but know. he roughed up uh, a producer from the BAFTAs and that turned people off. Yeah, yeah. But for 1999, which is one of the best years ever for oh, movies, yeah. 99 oh, yes. was a great year for movies. South Park. Yeah, he lost it with South Park. <laughs> Speaking of which, you know, one of the greatest Fight musicals Club. of all time. Oh. Yeah. Fight Club, American Beauty, Three Kings, uh, The Matrix. Wait, there's something election. else that came out the year, American Beauty, that They're I noticed. Uh, it was either not Pulp Fiction or oh, 94. Oh, Three Kings. No, it was something yeah, else. Kings was it Six Sense? Six Sense. That's right. Six Sense. Yeah. It came out August 6, 1999, <laughs> the same day as The Iron Giant. That was a good one. And here's oh. something you, wow. movie mans, yes. might not even know. Tell me. Or realize that uh, American Beauty and Six Sense were both nominated for Best Picture. Yes. Correct? Okay. And in the opening scene, both lead characters are dead. Oh, good point. Da, da, da. Now, in Six Sense, you don't realize it, but the, yeah. both movies open. With the killing of the main character. But back to my point about the insider. Yeah, because I forgot so what it was. So Thank remember, you for so absolutely. They, they were they were they interviewed Russell Crowe's character who's going to blow the whistle on Big Tobacco, and then CBS parent company said, "No, you can't run this," and they caved to the pressure. So then finally, when the interview ran, it didn't mean anything. Well, that's the same sort of thing that happened with the interview. I mean, this is a very big, you know, stretch here. But when Sony pulled the movie from theaters, and like even President Obama weighed in on this, which was like staggering that like President Obama knows who Seth Rogen is. <laughs> that's kind of cool. Uh, there's the president saying my name. <laughs> but by the time that they allowed the movie to be played in theaters, and I saw it on Christmas Day in 2014, what better way? celebrate Christmas than to go see the interview and I did it because I'd already seen the film but I just sort of like wanted to pay to see the movie just be yeah. like you know screw you guys I'm an American I can do whatever the hell yeah, I want on YouTube, you know same reason, yeah. and, and if the theater was full I saw it at the Sunset 5 right over on the you know Sunset and Crescent Heights and uh, and it was full and people like left and had a great time but yes I do think that we caved and it, it took the bite out of out of what we should have done which was move forward with our plans and screw yeah. the freaking and the Korea. biggest insult is that Seth's not even an American Right, exactly. Right, That's true. dirty Canadian, Canadian. ruined it for us. <laughs> hey, hey, don't knock Canadians. William Shatner is a Canadian, and William Shatner what? is a god. William Shatner from Montreal. True, yeah. William Shatner is Michael Canadian. J. Fox. Michael J. Canadian. Fox is Canadian. Let's not forget Mike Myers. Mike Myers, the creator of the Love Guru. <laughs> oh wait, what is a movie that you guys love that everyone else hates? The guilty pleasure? The guilt? No, no, not not really like a guilty pleasure. Like a Batman movie that, versus Superman. That you love, <laughs> yeah. but everyone just that's, hates. That's, Batman that's, v Superman. Okay, yeah, what's what's right. one of yours? Wow. Like, uh, like for me, Spider Man Three. I love Spider Man. You 3. love Spider Man Three? Yeah, I like it. In fact, if you have the DVD, if you flip it over, I'm on the back. I'm quoted on the back of it. Are that's you? how much I love it. Yes, I am. I have uh, you know our mutual friend John Roca. We should talk after the show. We have a we mutual have friend. Here. John gives me crap all the time because I liked Jersey Boys. Wait a minute. How do you know John Roca? Uh, we just have mutual friends. But I'm fighting him in the Schmodown. Oh, I know. A famous I know. crappy movie though. That's not a Jersey Boys. Like, I know yeah. that's the thing. It's not like, and I don't even love it that much. I just thought it was a different take on the biopic formula, which is mm-hmm. always the drug use and the abuse. Yeah. Instead, they had a different story to tell, and I just found that was refreshing. I don't go on about how it's the greatest thing, but man, Roca will not let me live it down that I liked it at all. Has he ever done the show? Yeah, a okay. couple times. Oh, uh, okay, good to know. 
Good to know. Ammo, you, got ammo. you need more ammo man. in him? Yeah. Yes, I need more ammo in 50 First Dates. 50 First Dates was okay. Oh. Love that movie. Ah, yeah. say I love it. It was okay. What do you think no. about that? That's the point of the game. You don't get to then criticize the thing oh, that no, I like right, that right. everyone else I hates. Corrected. Okay, what about no, you? you ask what I, I know what yours what do you like is. About it? I know what yours is. Ghostbusters. Well, that's, not well, that's just you that movie. doesn't like it. That's no, no, no. not everybody. That's, cer- that's certified fresh at 73% over at the vegetable yeah. But that's not certified fresh. It's certified <laughs> if it's 75 or above. Oh, that's right. Well, 73. Wait a minute. Are they, are they extending the analogy that far? Apparently. That there's USDA freshness now? Yes, of course. <laughs> uh, yes, I generally liked, of, I believe. I uh, was <laughs> can't think to say of something else. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was going to say Hope Floats. 1998. That's a good title, though. That movie. Terrible title. Great movie. I don't get that title. Why? How does Hope float in that movie? Please, tell me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that is a good question. I mean, is it a Hope float? Do you put ice cream and then you put some hope in it? I don't know. It's like... (laughs) Do they make a toy boat and send it out on the lake and they name it Hope? Yeah. All right, let's get it's on kind of a reason. I think Karen won that one because nobody likes that Also, movie. The I Love Guru. Oh. I don't even know. Sorry, the Karen. Love Guru, like I, the laughed love guru? My, I laughed my ass off in that movie. Really? But it right. came out... I, I, eh, love Guru was all right. See how it doesn't work when somebody says that? June 6th. <laughs> See how that's not fun anymore? <laughs> June 6th, 2008. And I still get crap from this day from my colleagues. For knowing when that came out? For, for <laughs> knowing when it came out. I gotta tell you, I I'm not laughed my that. ass off. I huh. laughed my ass off at the Love Guru. I saw it twice. I mean, the elephant sex part, that was freaking hilarious. You saw that twice. I'd love to uh, share the joy, but I didn't watch it. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> Daniel Tosh's Love Guru? Daniel Tosh's Michael Love Myers. Guru. No, Michael Myers. Michael Myers. Daniel Tosh's. Oh, Daniel Tosh. <laughs> Thank you. He's in it? He's in it. Oh, he's in it. Did you see it? No, I saw all his clip because he showed it on his show. Well, you've <laughs> got to see the movie. I'm so to smoke a fatty and watch it, and you'll love it. Well, that's can I say that excuse. on your show that you can smoke you a fatty? Am I yeah, you can say fatty. Uh, oh my gosh, they're doing meth before. in my hometown. You can <laughs> yeah, say that. Right? <laughs> plus right, size, uh, plus size. We like. <clears throat> on to our next film, hot on the heels smoke a plus of uh, hot on the heels of Tarzan and the Jungle Book, the Year of Abandoned Children in the Woods continued <laughs> with Pete's Dragon. Bart, let's talk about it. That's right. Pete learns to overcome his addiction to inhaling, inhaling heroin smoke in Pete's Dragon. That part that's not it. No? It's about a little boy who is raised in the woods by a dragon. I hope I didn't give anything away there. Hey, Mom and Dad, looking for a good kids movie that doesn't have a head of lettuce telling a cucumber that he looks like a giant <laughs> Or maybe a can of tomato soup that isn't going to masturbate onto a grilled cheese sandwich. Well, then Pete's Dragon is the movie for you and your family. Although there is this one scene where the dragon is caught molesting a choir boy, but you can just run out for popcorn during that Part scene. Part that never happens. Oh, okay. This is basically, a, Pete's Dragon is another installment of Disney's Let's Kill Things We Don't Understand series. <laughs> Story starts out with Mr. Meacham. Mr. Meacham is a town folklorist who's entertained the village children for years with his tales of what will kill them if they go in the woods. A and dragon. Mr. Meacham looks a lot like Robert Redford. <laughs> but when his forest ranger daughter, Grace, played by either... Bryce Dallas Howard or Jessica Chastain, finds a young boy in the woods. She counts his leaves and avoids it as she was taught. The orphaned forest youth spins tales of a mythical monster that he lives with in the woods. What do you want to call me a murderer for? I've never killed anyone. I don't need to kill anyone. I think it. I have it here. I don't need to live in this physical realm. I walk around in the physical realm, and I put on the faces, and I talk, and I play, and I yeah, It's this big act, man. In the spiritual world is where I live. I exist in places you never even dreamed of. Oh, my God. Now, it's a good thing he got a friendly, fluffy dragon, because when you're befriending myths in the woods, there are so many choices. 
so sorry for everything that has happened. Because in spite of what Mike says now, it is my fault. Because it was my project. And I insisted. Now, after having spent the last six years alone in the forest being raised by a dragon, the boy, he is surprisingly a little bit wild and undomesticated. Nail and Mike, yes, nail and Mike, going to tie in the wind. <laughs> now, eventually, he goes to school and wants to show all the girls his dragon. <laughs> okay, stop it. That is, that is not a thing, Bart. Eventually, the dragon is discovered by locals, and things bubble over into a chase. Attention all units. We're eastbound on Millhaven Road in pursuit of a dragon. It's a dragon. You can't say dragon over the radio. Oh, county sheriffs, will you ever rise above your stereotypical DNA? She assaulted my body. Yeah. And that's nothing but pure and simple old-fashioned communism. <laughs> Oaks Fegley is in this, by the way, and that's a great name for a dragon. Oh, Hollywood, where do you come up with these crazy names? That is incorrect. No, that's not right. Isn't Oaks Fegley one of Disney's beloved uh, animated ferret characters? No, no, Oaks Fegley is the name of the boy. Oh. Yeah. Paul, I thought the name of the boy was Pete. The yeah. character's name is Pete. The boy who played Pete is named Oaks Fegley. Well, that is a waste of a perfectly good ferret. <laughs> <laughs> Oaks Fegley. Oh, hipster parents, where do you come up with these names? Robert Redford settles into his old woodcarver years as a performer as... The Dragon! No, no. he plays Mr. Meacham. Yeah. Oh, I just thought that, you know, since he's so wrinkly and because, of course, he breathes fire, that maybe he was... <laughs> he, he breathes fire? Well, that's what I heard. Bart, you're no help. This is a remake of the 1977 Disney animated film Pete's Dragon, which starred singer Helen Reddy and featured her most popular song ever. Dragon. <laughs> too big to ignore. I thought she was more melodic than that. Uh, it's written and directed by David Lowry. What? Founder of the legendary pump rock band Camper Van Beethoven? Take the skinheads, boy. Take them, boy. Stop that. No, no, Bart. Right. I know. You probably know him more as the founder and frontman of Cracker. No, no, no. It's not that David Lowry. This oh. David Lowry spells his name. The exact same. Oh, well, I'm sorry about that. Yeah. You see, Paul, a uh, stoned and a dragon, mm -hmm. so I'm pretty sure it's the same guy. All right, let me wrap this up by saying, lastly, those of you who objected to this summer's Ghostbusters, where are the people saying their childhoods are being ruined over this remake? We'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's hear it for Pete's Dragon. Let's hear it for Pete's Dragon. Now, normally we come in here uh, not having seen the movies, as you do, uh, listening. I saw it. You and did. so did I this week. You did? What did you I think did. there, Paul? Was I, it groovy? I thought it was groovy. I do like that word. It was uh, a perfectly serviceable Disney family adventure. Mm -hmm. It was fine. Well, I, I here's what I was worried about. That it would not be whimsical. Because the first one was whimsical. I thought it would be more serious and sober. Uh, so, but it wasn't whimsical, but it was folksy. Ah. Now wait a second. Now when you say the original was whimsical, the original had a lot of a lot of like child abuse and like he he suffered Did unspeakable it? abuse from his parents, which is why he ran away. 
Do they is that touch, right? they touch no, on any is, of that? It's a remake. Is in that the whimsy only. you're missing? It's an update <laughs> in, in name only. It's very, very different. Uh, I thought it was fine. I thought it was very similar to Jungle Book, which is a better mm-hmm. film. It just it just didn't feel big. It didn't feel grand. I mean, the first hour of the film, I thought it did kind of, no pun intended, it did drag on. Wait, where's the you laughter? Sh- Cue the you, laughter. Are you sure Cue you didn't laughter. intend that pun? <laughs> I did. Wait, you wait. can't say no I pun intended if you intended whole, that pun. I based my whole review. <laughs> right, go ahead, give it again. Give it again. Okay, uh, you know, for the first hour, I kind of feel like it did drag on. Okay, thank you. Oh, sorry, that's, you. is that not what that was? Roy, do I fit here? You're not supposed to three stooges. Do I fit here You're welcome anytime. Do I fit here with you guys or what? Come on. You got the I don't know if that's slap. a good thing. I don't know. But but I mean, like, I thought it was just okay. Mm-hmm. It, it just I thought it was going to be like, uh, like have, I thought it was going to feel grander. It was... It was cliched, it was conventional, it was pretty by the numbers, and it was predictable. And it had a te- the last 10 minutes were exciting. It was fine. I gave it like a B minus. It's a good family film. As far as August movies go, it'll do. It's good enough. Not great, but good enough. Yeah, it will. Uh, it succeeds in that it doesn't do as many bad things as you expect a movie like this to do. Sadly, you don't sit there waiting for all of its massive achievements, but it just avoids a lot of things that it could have done worse. Yeah, absolutely. And ends up being okay. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. B-minus is a good grade. And, you know, I just want to know who would win a fight, Pete's Dragon or Puff the Manager Dragon? Puff Who'd was win? stoned, yeah. Puff was stoned. Puff That's was why Puff Puff doesn't win. fight. Yeah, so if he's stoned, cool. wouldn't he be like, whatever. He's a <laughs> <pacifist>. Right. <laughs> exactly. Puff wins. Pete would tear him up. By the way, after seeing Suicide Squad, I have to say it is not necessarily a given when a movie executes on its basic premise. Okay. Okay. I've- so this movie does everything it should do, given its fantastical premise. From what I'm hearing, <clears throat> that's not always the case because Suicide Squad, I had completely written the correct Suicide Squad in my head and said, <laughs> "Well, of course it correct. does this." Of course they find a reason to not be villains. Of course they get out and find a real reason where they justify their... It did nothing that I had in my head. I was like, holy crap, they're not doing any of that. They're just walking around. Anyway, so... Suicide Squad was horrible. Suicide Squad was like the last like big movie of the summer that I was really, really looking forward to. Like, you know, like the last must-see movie of the summer as far as like the Hollywood blockbusters go... And it was, it was so. First of all, it was too dark. It was too violent, and it was too mm. loud. It's like you get battle fatigue after a while. All the action. It sounds like, sound like Grandpa Kai just Kaius showed up. Does not want to see this movie. <laughs> it, 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 it becomes. Don't worry. Like white there's noise. not that much violence in it because that would be executing on the premise. And the story <laughs> made no sense. The story made no sense. If you watch this movie and you put it on shuffle, it wouldn't make a difference. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh, see, like the scenes moved around and whatever. I mean, yeah, if you move all the scenes around and like put them together, I mean, all I cared about in that movie was was uh, Margot Robbie's ass. Of course. That was a beautiful. You and the sight. director. <laughs> well, maybe I and would, I have though. no problem with that. <laughs> I mean, they, I just say, forget Suicide Squad, bring on the Harley Quinn movie. I'm in. Mar- Margot Robbie, ever since Wolf of Wall Street, damn. Damn! Was she in anything before that? Who cares? Just watch her. So. Ever she since? Was, oh, you know what? She was in that movie In Time. Remember that movie In Time? Of course no. not. She no. played the, like, the object of, uh, the, of the guy's Justin affection. Timberlake. Yeah, ah. right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, okay. She's in Focus, and she's good in Hot. 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 Yeah. Hot. Yeah. Oh, Focus. Yeah. Not but, the William H. Macy Focus. But it do, it that, doesn't, that's a great movie. Yeah, that's a different Focus. <laughs> but again, it doesn't drag on. Okay, you get two Wait, of those, and that's it. Yeah, that's it. You really... 
didn't, I didn't you guys, that happened. You should be careful what you wish for, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, th- so Adam brought up an interesting point, though. Movies you're afraid to watch again. This is a topic I've had with people, and I've meant to bring it to the show for a while, and this is the perfect time, which is that uh, there are some movies. Now, I remember well, yeah, I have loving one. I have one. P- Pete's mm-hmm. Dragon. Okay, great, great. We're going to mm-hmm. talk about Because I, l- I remember loving Pete's Dragon as a kid, and I remember watching it numerous times, and it was shown on TV a lot, and I have not seen it in 20 years. And so when this started coming out, I was like, oh, what a great idea for a remake. You know, you could make a new modern dragon, which they've done, and I love the design of the old dragon. It looks like they've kind of kept some of the, even yeah. though he, he looks realistic. Looks the same. They've kept the idea, and it was a cool <laughs> uh, premise for a dragon. But I realize, like, in my mind, I, I, as, as Mr. Ramp Up, I go, oh, I should watch the original. And I go, whoa, 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 whoa. Maybe I shouldn't. Right. Because there are some movies you should just leave where they are. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So, so uh, and my first example of this was, and, and I'll get to, and get to okay. yours, Karen, was Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Right? So that was the summer where I subscribed to Premiere Magazine. I read about the, the making oh, of everything. Premier. I knew everything about Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. I uh, asked a beautiful girl to be my uh, homecoming date. She was like a Demi Moore looking uh, beautiful girl. The pixie type. We know your pixie type. Di- you know my type. Mm-hmm. She was it like crazy. It was great. It was the first time I was in love. She was a piano player. I used to walk into piano practice. She played the Brian Adams song. We had that oh, that song from Robin Hood yeah. Prince of Thieves. So it was like a whole thing. And there was like numerous dates into it that we went to go see Robin Hood Prince of Thieves. I loved it. It's superhero stuff. You get a lot of superhero movies at that time. Uh, and and uh, I, I've never seen it since. I'm going to leave it there because that was just that was a perfect time. Are you afraid if you go back and watch it again, you're not going to like it as much? It could not help but disappoint. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I agree with you. Same thing with Pete's Dragon. That movie must be a piece of crap. It just must be. Well, you know, it's a good point. Like a movie that you love as a, as a yeah. child or as a teenager. Mm-hmm. I, you know, but still, like when I think back to movies that I saw that, that when I was younger, like like Flash Gordon or or Clash of the Titans mm-hmm. or The Black Hole, movies I saw like when I was like thirteen or fourteen mm-hmm. years old, you know, when I watch them again in more recent years, I definitely had a different perspective on them because yeah. I'm bringing like the perspective of a critic, yeah. but I also I'm watching it with nostalgia, and it reminds me of a great time in my childhood. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, movies were definitely my salvation growing up. Movies and Star Trek, those were my two. And nostalgia is a great drug. But I just don't think it would help Robin Hood or Pete's Dragon. Well, I I remember when I saw that movie in 1991. uh, That was directed by Kevin Reynolds. Sure. Sucked. Oh, oh, Rapid Nui. Were you not a big fan of the uh, oeuvre of the director of Rapid Nui? I wasn't a fan of Waterworld either. (laughs) (laughs) Karen, what was yours? Uh, Mine has nothing to do with childhood, oddly enough. Um, It was uh, Fearless. I saw Fearless in the theater. Could not breathe when it was over. I sure. took a Cried my face off. I can't go there again. Yeah. I can't do that to myself yeah. again. It was so is amazing. Is that the rule? The rule is oh you're afraid God. to see it fearless. I that's the rule well, I could go fearless. either way now. Well, I'm afraid that's, if that's I see another, it now, I might not get direction. that effect. Like, oh, I might okay. just go. Well, two things. Like, you don't want to see Schindler's List again. Sure. Because you can only do that once. But yeah. this one. I'm I've not it sure times. it was that good, fearless. but for some reason it messed me up. The, it's fearless. Okay, I'm it gonna. I think it, I think it came out in 1993, directed by Peter Weir, Sounds who like did uh, Master and Commander, mm-hmm. and he also did Witness. And God, that movie, Peter Weir makes really good movies. It's mm-hmm. a very artistic uh, style mm-hmm. to his movies. You know, Jeff Bridges plays a plane crash survivor, and, and uh, Rosie Perez. Yeah, I oh. thought it was a good movie. It messed me I, up. So like, you're afraid that you could go back and watch and that. And it might it's be goofy. Yeah, I might go, oh, that's a silly movie. Because for some reason, it just just. Because where it was yeah, at the you time know, you saw it. Yeah. Did you have one? Breaking. 
Break, break it. it. Do not go see it again. Wherever that is in your head, that must be much more brilliant. I'm sure it's yeah. a horrible. What's your story behind it? I saw it six times in the ah, theater. That was fantastic. Because I was in the eighth grade breakdancing. Right? What are you going to do? Not see breaking? You are beach break dancing. Oh, I had the piece of wood in my room. I had the parachute pants. Did oh, you have yeah. the album with the where you open up the gatefold and you, it gave you the breakdancing <laughs> tips inside? He's, still, he's wearing the parachute pants literally right now. Yeah, they're comfortable. They, they're zip away. I'm not kidding. Yeah, these are my breakaway in case I have to do some of those uh, really in hard moves. In case some emergency breaking <laughs> just needs to happen. Break glass in case of oh breaking. Oh, my God. Uh, Breaking's a great one. Mine, it, I was in Harrison Ford Overdrive mm-hmm. back in the day, in the 80s. You know, mm-hmm. so Star Wars, Empire. Uh, Regarding Henry. Raiders. Raiders of the Lost Ark, my favorite movie Indiana of all time. Indiana Jones, Temple and, and of the Jedi, All that stuff. So I went back and I found, oh, what else has he done? Force 10 from Neverone. I saw that. I'm like, this is the greatest movie yeah, of all the time. time. it was. I don't know if I should see it again. You should. <laughs> well, actually, well, it came out 79. Will it hold up? This is the thing. Stephen Lewis, movie guy, bought a copy of that and gave it to me for my birthday. And I had the same thing you was. I was like, oh my God, I have the exact memory of being in my grandparents. Uh, they were camping, a trailer, a little tiny, you know, two inch by two inch color TV, and watching Force 10 because, of course, it's Han Solo. And I loved it. And I always wondered ever since, yeah. is it good? And I was he's, off. he's the one that told me. He goes, no, it's still really good. So maybe you and I should get together oh. and watch it. I haven't seen I, it. Uh, should I? I've that's never the, that's seen it. Maybe we should see it. Robert yeah. Shaw. Right? Right? Robert yeah. Shaw, directed by Guy Hamilton. It came out in 1978. I saw the movie with my dad. I was 10 years old. He told me to see that movie, and I and I loved it. I mean, I thought it was a, a good movie, and I, you know, I was it was like I was nine or ten, and I had already seen Star Wars and it. You know, I, I was wasn't one of those people who Star Wars like rocked my world because. Mm-hmm. I was I hadn't really seen any movies up to that. Came point. out same year as Pete's Dragon. Yeah, it came out the same <laughs> year. It came out the How same year it. as uh, Annie Hall and The Turning Point and Close Encounters of the Third Kind, 1977. But uh, my movie, remember that movie? Um, Star the, Wars. You the, might have left it in, in the 77. The too. Final <laughs> Countdown. Oh yeah, Smoking the Bandit. The Final Countdown. Kirk Douglas. Kirk Douglas <laughs> plays the captain of a of the USS Nimitz, an aircraft carrier that goes back in time. Oh, yeah. To December 6th, 1941, oh. and they have to decide whether or not they are going to engage the Japanese that are going to attack Pearl Harbor or stay out of history. It's 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 a movie that I have gone back to watch, and I'll tell you the score is really good. I think Bill Conti did the score, mm. who always That'll does the Oscars, mm-hmm. and and he did the the right stuff. But it is a it is a great movie for uh, uh, the final countdown. Still, when's the last time you saw it? Uh, well, it's been a few years. Mm. Oh, a few years? That's not yeah. Bad. See, yeah. like not a few decades, because you put the decades, decades in between. That's when you real. That's, yeah, a few that's years. That's why I'm afraid of Force. I remember 10. I was homesick one day, and I like just I had it on DVD, and I put it, in, and I was like, oh, oh, this movie still holds up. It's pretty good. They should do a remake that. of that. Oh, that would yeah. be interesting. No, you know what movie they should remake? You know what movie they should remake? Remember? The Philadelphia Experiment. Caddyshack. Oh, the Philadelphia Ex- <laughs> Michael Paré. Wow. Right. 1984. They should remake Fast Forward. Wait, wait. wait. They should. Wait, <laughs> is that the, is that the Actually, one where they rent the it. apartment and uh-huh. have a dance And they thing? get a, a couch from the street. I saw that in a theater. <laughs> it's just so weird that comes up every once in a while. I could not tell you. I loved if, it. I, yeah. Well, Absolutely loved it. I, I liked because it. Because there's a bunch yeah. of kids who went and yeah. followed their dreams I, in New York to be dancers. It was rooftops, but just below the rooftop, right? Yeah. It was just in a... <laughs> Directed by Sidney Poitier. Sydney wow. Poitier. No way. Not kidding. 1984, oh. The Philadelphia Experiment. Directed by Stuart Raftill. There you go. 
Oh, is the Philadelphia Experiment the one with Michael Douglas? No, no. Michael Pere. Michael Pere. Michael Pere. Oh, you're uh, thinking of, oh, God. You know the movie they should remake? China Syndrome. Here's yeah. the one. Here's the one. <laughs> Sorry, a place and a thing. Yeah. yeah. Capricorn One. Ah. Capricorn Re- One. Remake it? They should remake Capricorn sure. One. Came out in, I want to say, 78, and it's about these the first astronauts that go to Mars, and then something goes wrong with the spacecraft, so they decide to. To fake the Mars landing. Yes, and yes. it's uh, the the astronauts are played by James Brolin, Sam Waterson, and OJ Simpson. Simpson. It is they? so good. Wait, it's so, so they good. fake the landing? Do they just go to the next planet over and no, go? No, no, oh, we'll no, go. They, they, no. pretend to be on Mars. They but film. We're... They film the Martian <laughs> landing. They filmed the Martian landing at this uh, air, uh, abandoned Air Force yeah, base. Stanley Kubrick shoots it in a. Uh, yeah. So so what happens is the same place they did the moon landing. Is that where they? Yeah, did? yeah, same place they did the moon landing. So anyway, so they cut. So when this when the uh, the spacecraft is is entering the atmosphere, the heat shield separates, and the astronauts are supposed to be dead, but they're. They're alive because they just That's faked the, Mar- right. the Martian landing. So now, now they they're like, much. we got to get out of here. They're going to kill us. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. so good. That's it's so good. Yeah, they were going to kill them to make the fake, but then they live. So now someone's after them. Total well, 70s Well, not all of them thriller. live. Not a, it's a great post-Watergate paranoid thriller mm-hmm. along the lines of yeah. all the president's yeah, men. Yeah, exactly. It's excellent movie. Capricorn 1. To everyone listening, watch Capricorn 1 and tweet me at Movie Mance and let me know... <laughs> Let me know about it, remaking this movie. If Does Naked Gun had never up. come out, that would be OJ's high point. That would be <laughs> right. Naked would be Gun. Towering Inferno? Wait, wait. <laughs> Love you. Remember? The name of the ship was Love You. Uh, <laughs> <that's right. laughs> Love no, you. Not, no time for that now, Nordberg. <laughs> <laughs> the best is when the guy comes to trying to kill Nordberg and he throws the pillow at Leslie Nielsen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Leslie Nielsen grabs it and holds onto his face yeah. like he can't get away. Oh! Wait, wait, guys. Are you having fun with me? Am yeah. I, are you, are you, do I fit Absolutely. in here? Right? Are you, you like, this guy's awesome. <laughs> this guy's awesome. Well, let's get on to our final film of the big right. weekend. Our next film is Florence Foster Jenkins. Featuring, she dies at the end. <laughs> featuring Meryl Streep. Everybody dies in the end. <laughs> That's true. It's a piece of history, so they're all dead. You're going to die in the end. <laughs> That's true. Meryl Spoiler Street alert. Plays the notorious singer of the 1940s. Florence Foster Jenkins, or Flofo Joe, for short. <laughs> She was the William Hung of her time. Tell me your sign. You're switching sides like a Gemini. You're playing games and now you're hitting my heart like a drum. Yeah, baby. It also stars Hugh Grant, so I assume you want in, Karen? Yes. All right. This is her. This is the original. See, you can remake some things. (laughs) No wonder she died at the end. All right, so it's Florence Foster Jenkins, no relation to that other Florence. Kiss my grit! <laughs> or even that other Foster. And I must also admit you have a very, lo- a very lovely home. <laughs> Incidentally, you're out of scotch. Florence Foster Jenkins tells the story of what one person can do, despite their lack of talent, if they have enough drive and are born to a rich family. <laughs> Like the old saying goes, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice, practice. She wasn't good, but became a sensation for being bad. 
enjoyed ironically by a cult audience, proving that hipsters have been around since the 40s. It's <laughs> so obviously in retrospect, considering how they dress. <laughs> One of the reasons Florence Griffiths Joyner Jenkins Foster Jr. <laughs> had trouble singing was due to a complication from syphilis and the way they treated it back then, to inject you with mercury. It's a good thing she didn't have yellow fever because back then they cured that by throwing you off a mountain. <laughs> Florence was born rich but without any real talent. But mm. since she was born rich in America, that didn't stop her from achieving her dream of becoming famous for not having any talent. Mm. Looking at you, Kim Kardashian. <laughs> when yeah. she was young, Florence was given an ultimatum. When I was 16 years old, my father told me that if I didn't give up music, he'd cut me off. Of course, he didn't understand. Music is my life. And so, of course, Florence did what any true artist dedicated to their craft and loyal to only her own heart's desire would do. Well, she took the money and waited for an old man, her old man to die before pursuing her life's dream. And she may have been talentless, but come on, the girl wasn't stupid. Florence Henderson Jenkins takes place <laughs> in the early to mid-19-whatevers, a time in the world when people weren't so quick to point out one another's flaws and when we weren't so anxious to hurry up and insult other people. And yet, perhaps this is one of those rare times when somebody should have stood up and told this old broad the horrible truth about her lack of talent. If only someone like that existed. The whole thing was just atrocious. Complete and utter mess. It was very generic. Verging on excruciating. The singing was just atrocious. It was absolutely terrible and terrible. I thought it was terrible. Oh, God, that just makes me hurt. <laughs> Just right. hearing that makes me just feel icky. Anyway, Meryl Streep returns to the big screen to do once again that thing that she does the best being her thespianism. Acting! <laughs> Even when playing a woman with complete and total lack of talent. Acting! <laughs> now we all know that there's always been an unspoken competition between two of our best actresses, Meryl Streep and Glenn Close. So when she heard that Streep was playing a legendarily bad singer, Close chimed in with this performance. For the land <laughs> of the free, Trying to make up for it there. Yeah. And the home <laughs> of the brave. <clears throat> Hugh Grant play. Hey. <laughs> Hugh Grant plays St. Clair Bayfield because of course he does. <laughs> who is Florence's husband, a man dedicated to fulfilling her lifelong dream of being an opera star on the Carnegie Hall stage, and his lifelong dream of inheriting all of her money when she dies. The U.S. trailer for this film has a tagline, Every voice deserves to be heard. Really? Have you tuned into the internet? Chocolate rain. The school books say it can't be here again. With one exception. Florence Foster Jenkins. Now, if you have three names, yes. then either somebody in SAG beat you to your name or you're an assassin. For Florence, it was the latter because of the number of songs she murdered in pursuit of a singing hey. career. There you go. So, Karen, I'm going to give you yeah. a wide oh. breath here. Yes. And I'm going to let you set the tone <laughs> for this discussion because I have a big problem with this movie. Oh, you oh, do? Yes? Not the movie, but just her. Which what? her? Florence Foster Jenkins yes. or Meryl's? Okay, Florence. Florence, the, the real, real the real character. one. Okay, okay what it's is it? It's just a crazy old rich broad mm -hmm. that everyone indulged because they wanted her money. Bingo. Fascinating movie. Yeah. <laughs> and and here's the... It, that is absolutely true, and it's, it's really kind of weird. But the thing that was killing me, because I 
I've taught voice myself, so there's scenes in there where she takes voice lessons, and people are so taking advantage of her, and it really, really hurt me. I, mm. It made me crazy because the thing is, she's rich, obviously. She can afford to have everyone tell her polite things they never tell her she's good Mm -hmm. they just say you're a unique flower and you know you really bring your own way to the song and that's really lovely but someone needs to sit down and go all right here's the thing you have some limitations so what we're going to do is we're going to keep the song very simple we're going to do it very melodic the piano part's going to duplicate what you're singing and then she could have at least been relatively successful but instead, they give her the hardest arias you could possibly yeah. sing. And they cash a check. They, cash a check. they don't really pay attention to how to make her succeed. You can make people succeed enough that they're not ridiculous, but no one did that. Did you see the movie? Oh, yeah. Because mm-hmm. I just heard the interview on Fresh Air, literally on my way to the studio this uh, evening with oh. Meryl Streep. Oh, yeah, what'd she say? And my impression was that Florence kind of just went off on her own, and she's the one that wanted all these arias. She's the one that wanted yeah, all I this think, and they never, decor and costume and I believe it. Theatrics. I believe it. But then that tells you, when do you step in and help someone? When the check stops clearing. God, it's I, like uh, someone who wants to be famous, not talented, right? So yeah. talent you have to work towards, but they're like, I just want to be famous. See, I didn't well, know this kill was... the president or whatever. I, I didn't know <laughs> this was based on a true story <laughs> yeah. until it's a until movie, the isn't end it? of the film. It's, yeah, it's a movie. Oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> ah, it's based on true stories. Or a book. But I thought, you know, again, because I sort of like lower my expectations with movies that come out in August because it's sort of the dog days of summer. You know, all the Hollywood blockbusters are done and it's usually time for like independent films. And I mean, let's face it, Meryl Streep can read from a telephone book and she will get nominated for an Academy Award and probably win. But I thought a movie had a big heart. I thought it was sweet. I liked Hugh Grant, and I usually him. don't like him in movies, but I thought his character was really. Unfortunately, you know, that's where we own. That's the only place we see him. Uh, well, <laughs> in movies, I love I like, him at the Vons. Like He's fantastic yeah. at Subway. But I mean, like you know, he plays her husband, and uh, Mark you know, Harris. He, he has a mistress. <laughs> Well done. He has a well mistress uh, because, uh, you know, his oh. mistress is uh, uh, Rebecca Ferguson, who was in Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Oh. So, and she's very hot. And non syphilitic. So, and, and if you if you could have a mistress, Give you too would have Rebecca Ferguson. Without syphilis, yep. But uh, she, you know. Take some mercury. He, right he was like, you know, he really cared about Florence. He really cared about Meryl Streep's character. And he even says. Uh, someone says, you know, you're, you love her, but you got this mistress. And he goes, well, you know, love comes in many forms. And like right then and there, that kind of sums up his character. And you just go, oh, well, okay. And it was, it was a sweet film. It was touching. It was interesting because it was based on a true story. And, uh, you know, I think it's a good movie for, like, grown-ups who are looking for some alternative programming in the month of hey, August. Me. I liked it. The it's good. Doesn't hit the high notes. I'll see Suicide Squad. Oh! I hated that movie. I hated that movie. Uh, the, the one thing that I took away from it when we were re-watching the trailers today to, you know, see if we could come up with some fodder. And um, I... My my friends in my singing group with me, we went to see Ghostbusters and they the showed this before sisters. that. The Boobay sisters. <laughs> and there is just something to be said for that trailer. It makes me cry every time. Because the trailer is even, it's just so divinely made. I think the person who did this trailer should do the trailer for every movie. They should have done the Ghostbusters trailer. It would have been 100% better. Because they create this world where you start to think of the dichotomy between, well, this woman has no talent, but her husband loves her so much yeah, yeah. that he's willing to go out of his way to protect her. And is that all anybody wants f- 
from life is to have someone, husband, wife, brother, sister, who has who your back, has your back, and is yeah. loyal to you. And then you without loyalty, there's nothing. There's nothing. I think that's the line of the movie. Oh my god! And then I'm not going to say the end line because that's amazing. The last line is so true. I think the last two lines in the film. Oh some my of the best god! Of the year. Yeah, we know it. I'm dying. I know, but, <laughs> but there's dies something. At the end. <laughs> Don't take mercury. It's not good for you. There's something that's uh, many. There's many levels. Like obviously, uh, from a singing point of view, to sing is so personal, and to have a passion for it, even if you're not good at it. I, I never in general. I, like yes, anything that you're willing to share with people and have the effect of them giving you criticism, you kind of need to be able to take it. <laughs> you so know. So here's the only other thing I'll say about that's all that. That's hard. Because I think that's good. Yeah. And I was. Ex- I, I, it actually looks like a good movie I'd like to see. Bart says, "Roger that." Roger, Roger that. that. <laughs> but I've gotten to a point in my life where I am tired of rich people telling me how to chase my dreams. <laughs> I just that's like 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 really successful people. Telling me about how I should just well, go you're after listen it. To? Wait, so who who are you <laughs> targeting? <laughs> <was> <laughs> pay your bills. Well, hey, so, could some people haven't succeeded. Tell me how to succeed. <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> so your question, Paul. Who are you targeting that? Uh, well, w- with that statement, well, like the Florence, filmmakers or Florence or well, no, Florence in in her okay. life, right? And yeah. so you That's know, an inspiration. And so finding finding her as a sympathetic character, you're like, oh my gosh, it was so great that she just went after her heart's desire. Well, first of all. She had nothing to worry about. She she had all the time and all the resource to to throw caution to the wind, and then she had an entire cast of people that were there to catch her when she falls. Right, mm-hmm. so that's that's the thing that kind of bugs me about the movie is that I want to root for her and I want her to triumph, and I see that in the trailer, and that's what makes me excited. But in the back of my mind, I'm I kind of realize the reality, which is she had this huge safety net. I would tell you that that's what makes the movie complicated, and a complicated movie is. is always better. Like even the fact that he has that's a mistress, a which is not mm-hmm. much of a spoiler because does is. I did quite like early in the it. Film. Did disappoint me because I do not refer to that in the trailer, and the trailer is the version of the movie yeah, I so wanted to see. They do kind of sidestep <laughs> yeah. that. That's yeah. the movie I want to see. That's it complicates things, see. and a complicated relationship is always worth exploring more than just a straightforward one about a woman achieving but her dreams. So what, there's other stuff in there that what makes Bart's it cool. saying, I think, is a perfect example. Would be that wild movie because that woman wasn't yes. rich, and yes. she just went on a walk <laughs> because she had to figure some stuff out. Well, I saw absolutely. And that's fab- inspiring. I saw absolutely fabulous recently too, and when it was over, I'm like. Should we be laughing at these rich? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what they're making. They're making fun of how you know. Yeah, but at a, a, in the nineties, I could laugh more. I think uh, than currently, oh, yeah. when it's like a different we should, attitude we, towards the. We rich. should create a segment called "Hangups with Bart Kaz." <laughs> like, what's your hangup on this one? All right, I'm hung up no, on this. Thing. I totally hear what you're saying too, because at that point, she somebody needed to speak the truth to her. It's just like these yes and or not yes and people, yeah. but the people that don't tell. Mm-hmm. Even famous actors or actresses or George Lucas, but, but if she they don't was, tell them the truth. But if she can spoil her, if she dies at the end. <laughs> <laughs> and you know she was dying because she had syphilis, and yeah. you know then actually the 40s. she outlived by thirty years how long they think she'd live. Wow, because mercury. and I think it had a lot of it has to do with the mercury, but it also has to do with the fact that she kept doing what she loved. Mm-hmm. Let's see. See, well, it's, the, it's the passion. I mean, she may not have been a good singer, but it was the passion that she had for it that people supported. Mm-hmm. And that's what the movie's about, too. Yeah. Right? I mean, but I almost that... wish she knew she was bad and did it anyway. Hmm. She knew she was bad and then. Screw you guys. You like LA? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, last note about this film it is Stephen Frears. So if that Stephen means anything to you, the Queen. The Queen. The Queen. The queen uh, uh, dangerous High liaisons. High fidelity. Uh, High fidelity. And uh, he also did The, the Grifters. The Grifters. Grifters. Wow. He was adorable. We went to a question and answer with them, and uh, they had Hugh Grant there and Meryl Streep. And Meryl, by the way, 
dowdies herself up big time in this movie. She's overweight and she's got this horrible wig and she's she got all these wrinkles, pounds. right? <laughs> but when she was in person, oh my God, she's tall and skinny and blonde and fantastic. It shocked me. It was just shocking. Was out. that last Thursday? Uh, last Friday. Friday. Last Friday, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And then Hugh Grant was adorable. I, of course, love him. No, How many times did he run his fingers him. through his hair? Uh, just I don't know. He was wearing Enough. tight pants and he was gorgeous. But the director, Stephen Fierce, was sitting on the end and Paul and I were on the aisle. Mm. And every time he would do a deadpan take to the audience because they would say something and he's just brilliantly adorable. He'd look right at us and be like, oh, Yeah, we were kind really? of right in the sight line for the take <laughs> to the audience. And we were like, oh my God, he's looking at us again. He's so funny. <laughs> What's your directing style? Doesn't Stephen just... Ferris look like Rodney Dangerfield? A little bit. Yeah. 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 And that's why it was brilliant. When he'd look at us, we'd be like, we think you're hysterical. <laughs> yeah, he said, get great actors. Everything else fall into place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was great. Uh, so listen, that's the movies that are coming out this week. Uh, we have entirely different nonsense to attend to here with our guest, the film critic for Access Hollywood, has been seen and heard all over. Talking movies, NPR, NBC, KTLA, PBS, and as award season gets closer, look for him moderating Q and A's all over Los Angeles. Scott Movie Mance. Okay, you can talk. Good now. times. Okay, good times. This is the segment where we'll get uh, we'll get to know with Scott. So uh, you I mean, just, God, do, do I fit in? Do I yeah, do I blend? Absolutely. I mean, come on. All right, you blend. You like, oh, 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 wait a minute. Oh, you got me. My cousin Vinny. Damn. Oh. Good, good one. one. Good, one. Nice good one. He speaks movie. Hey, you just came from Vegas, yeah? Yes, I did. I was in Vegas for five days. Oh, that's I like was, too, uh, too many, right? Well, well, it was too many, but I was there. I was, I, I've always been, since I was six years old, a massive Star Trek fan. Mm-hmm. So I was there hosting. Did you used to go to the uh, Star Trek casino at the Flamingo Hilton? I... I Went there like a couple times, yeah. you know, when they had it. But this company that I used to work for, I moved out here in 1991 to L.A. in 1991 to work for a company that ran sci-fi conventions. And I left there to go work for Access in 2000. But they were doing this big 50th anniversary convention in Vegas that uh, they asked me to to host a lot of the state stuff. And I said, sure. And it was great. I mean, like Kirstie Alley made her first convention appearance since 1984. Nice. Wow. Whoopi Goldberg made her first convention appearance. She played Guinan on Next Generation for 28 That's episodes. Cool. And, I mean, it was just a load of fun. It was awesome. It was like 30,000 Star Trek fans were there. And it was like the greatest Star Trek convention ever held. This year is the 50th anniversary of Star Trek. We have a new movie in theaters that's actually really, really good. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of good stuff going on. And they have a TV show coming up, right? There's a brand. Oh, this yeah. just came announced mm-hmm. today that uh, really? the new TV show that's coming on uh, CBS All Access this fall, uh, of January 2017, uh, Brian Fuller who was the producer of Hannibal, Hannibal yeah. and Pushing Daisies. He also wrote like a more than a dozen scripts from Star Trek uh, Deep Space Nine and Voyager, or Voyager and Enterprise. So he's producing the new series. And he announced today that the, the, the lead on the new Star Trek show is going to be a woman, mm-hmm. that she's not going to be Caucasian, and the, the new show is not going to be focused on the captain. All the other shows were focused on like Kirk, Picard, oh, Cisco. Yeah, it's not going to be yeah. focused on the captain. So wait a minute. So the one time it's going to be a woman that's multicultural, it's not about her? Well, it is about her. It's just she's not the captain. Yeah, she's not in charge. She's, right. the she's not allowed to have she's the big a, job. She's the cleaning she's, lady, apparently. She's the up-and-comer. Yeah, she's she's the cleaning lady. <laughs> Hot Asian chick that cleans the, the starship. Lady. But, right. it, it, you know, it was uh, because I, you know, I was also at Comic-Con two weeks ago. And I get back from Comic-Con. I love Comic-Con, but it's exhausting. And I, and <laughs> You're I, right. It is You're exhausting. Right. I did Comic-Con. This was my, wait, uh, 15th straight year covering Comic-Con yeah. for Access Hollywood. Oh. And man, oh, man, it is a beast. 
It is a beast. Comic-Con is like Sundance with superheroes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. But, uh, but it's, it's um, you know, so this convention it was great. And by the way, on uh, Sunday, uh, August 14th, I'm doing um, – uh, the History Channel is doing a documentary called 50 Years of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. They interviewed like all the, all the cast members, a lot of insiders, and a lot of fans, and I was interviewed for that, too. Cool. So it's a good time to be a Star Trek fan. Did they did they track down the Gorn at the uh, Comic-Con? Oh, they yeah. The Gorn? They did. Every, Bobby yeah. Cork. Bobby Cork. He's always I there. I interviewed him on stage. Ah. I said, what was it like to kick the crap out of William Shatner? He said it was awesome. <laughs> But yeah, the Shatner I mean, show is Shatner didn't Shatner show. Was and there. Then there's uh, in Vegas. Shatner was in Vegas. Oh, okay, because I knew he came to Comic Con. Well, he was in Vegas. As he is often in Vegas. Yeah, he was, he at, was the at the bar in the plaza. Hey, could you come over? There's a thing going on. Huh? Shatner is 85 years old. Yeah. Wow. Looks great. He's Amazing. got he's got energy. He is like sharp. Shatner is the man. Yeah. He's gonna live forever. I went to a Q and A with him recently for this new TV show he's doing with Henry Winkler and. Yeah, he's hilarious. He's yeah. hilarious. He kind of plays the a persona of Shatner now. He plays. He's <laughs> he buys playing in. William he Shatner. Buys yeah. In. yeah, he he bought into like ever since he started doing those Priceline commercials. Oh, those people are, are like, best. people are like, wow, he's really funny. But yeah. I'm like, no. If you go back to Trouble with Tribbles and I Mud and a piece of the action from the original Star Trek show, T.J. Hooker, T.J. Hooker, <laughs> <laughs> Loaded Weapon One, <laughs> or or wait, remember that? Remember uh, uh, the Police Squad. They would always yeah. kill their guest oh, yeah. stars. He got the killed once. He yeah. got killed once. <laughs> you know, Shatner's the man. He's he's the man. I love Shatner. Did you see we, a few weeks ago we had Rob Burnett on the show? Rob Meyer Burnett. Rob, Ma- Rob Burnett's a buddy of mine. He sat in that chair. <laughs> Rob Burnett is a buddy. Did he of make it to the? He, he made it to Vegas. He wasn't there. Oh, he he wasn't there. Oh. But Rob Burnett is like next to me. He's the next biggest Star Trek fan. Oh, that I, I know. know. Yeah, we talked Although, about do not ask him about Into Darkness. He hates Into Darkness with a passion. Oh, how dare oh, yeah. he? I just, Paul wanted, and I just watched it. I just wanted to he? dote on him because. Wait, he... who else do you know? We know a lot of same people. Rob Burnett. You got John Roca. Tom Cruise. Tom, Tom Cruise, my buddy. Tom Cruise. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Yeah. T- side note: What is your favorite Tom Cruise movie? My favorite. Oh God, damn, that's Tom. It's, Damn, that's tough. The nice thing about this question that is, is a tough one. no wrong answer. <laughs> no wrong answer. All right, can I do top three? Please. Top three. Jer McGuire. I love Jer McGuire. Really? That made your top three. Jer McGuire okay. is the quintessential Tom Cruise movie. His because, best shot at an Oscar. Because Yes, he, he was not. He lost to, uh, what, he's 96. Uh, let's see. That was, I want to say, Ray Fiennes. Ray Fiennes yeah. won for yeah, English Patient. English Patient. Ray Fiennes won no, for English he, Patient. No, Fiennes never won. Five, Take him six. down, Paul. Wait a minute. Come on, Paul. <laughs> you come uh, into this room. Fargo, oh, no, no, no. Jeffrey Rush. Jeffrey Rush for yeah, Shine. Yeah, for Shine. That's Jeffrey cool. Rush for Shine. Woo. Good, good, good comeback, Mance. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I Cut do that love, part out. Okay. I said 95. All right. I, I, do love, I do love Risky Business. And so that's two? Risky Business is your two. third one? Third. Damn. damn. got to be Rain Man. It's, it's funny you say this. No, first... no. More than the 4th of July. Born the Fourth uh, of July. Wow, this yeah. is crazy. You say what's your favorite Tom Cruise movie, and I haven't thought of that. My first three thoughts are his last three movies. Exactly. Yeah, that's literally his last three movies. Wait, three more movies. Like, Those are awesome. Live, die, repeat. repeat. Those are really good. Was oh, Mission great. Impossible Five. Mission Impossible. Uh, Ghost Protocol was great. <laughs> Tom Cruise makes great yeah. movies. He does. I mean, I loved uh, 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 Edge of Tomorrow. Was brilliant. Yeah. It was so smart. So we were, fun. We were talking so about. I love Magnolia. Magnolia, that's right? awesome. Amazing. Yep. See, but Amazing. I wouldn't call that a Tom Cruise Forget- movie. Oh. Right. He's he was it. nominated <laughs> for that's it. That's because he's not running in it. He doesn't yeah. run. Oh. <laughs> Isn't he the best running actor <laughs> yeah. in and the if, business? If Tom Cruise is not running, you don't have a And Tom this is Cruise what's movie. genius about J.J. Oh. Abrams. He's the best running actor. The running scene in three? 
With J.J. Abrams? Oh, uh, Mission Impossible. 3. Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah. Like yeah. the J.J. Abrams is like, look, we love him running. We're gonna do the ultimate running scene, and they nail it. I'm Who's the worst running the actor you've ever seen? The there's worst? a there's ah, a correction for it. I know what it is. Harrison no, Ford. Adam knows who it is. Who is it? Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal. Watch. Oh, Jerry Lewis. I you to watch him and not to laugh. Steven Seagal is awful. Period. Who else do we know? Wait, I want to add oh under this: God. the best walker in movies is Matt Damon. Watch a Bourne oh, movie. No, no, wait. All hell's oh. breaking loose around him, and he's walking. He's walking, oh. and he's looking over his shoulder. Yeah. He's Denzel looking, watching second. his back. He walks. Every movie, like, I mean, for Bourne, the, the Jason Bourne, the new movie, first of all, I like, like, it's more the same. He's on the run, looking yeah. over his shoulder. Yep. Awesome, it's, right? It's, That's it, not a negative, right? It, it's <laughs> the cool. same old stuff Great. with him. Great. because okay. I missed that. So, so you liked it? I did not like it. Because, I mean, same old stuff. That's what I'm in there for. Jason Bourne. Give me the same, but different. Like they should have called it the Born Redundancy. It was like the same old thing. Oh, I know. Come it's on, so the Born Redundancy. No, you don't get any. Paul, don't no, give him any. No, no, come on, Paul. No. Paul, wait, wait, wait. wait. You ready? You ready? Jenkins Are you ready for singing. it? They should have called it the Born Redundancy. <laughs> yes, there it is. <laughs> Rob Burnett was sitting in this chair. He was. Oh my God, Rob Burnett. In fact, I went to, a, his I went to a panel. Feeling. I thought he was going to sit in on your 1986 panel at Comic Con. Oh. Were you there? Yeah. Why did you say hi to me? Oh, wait, that's where I did, right afterwards. Oh, that's it was right, right after. You did, didn't you? <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. I didn't yell during the middle I of it. I had your card. Yeah, that's right. That's why I had now, your card. Now, do you know that this this is kind of crazy? So, Paul went to the um, Snowden, the question answer. Oh, I was there for that. He was the one who asked the question about Pokemon that set him off on totalitarian oh, rage. Oh, the panel. The panel. The panel, yeah. yeah. You asked... Alverstone about Pokemon. Yeah. He was the one who said that. And it made off. news, I guess, because yeah. he called it totalitarianism. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but he doesn't have an iPhone. Oh, he, is that right? I he, believe he, that. He I believe that 100%. I believe anything I about You can tell me anything about Oliver Stone. You can tell me that he had sex with Tom Cruise, and I would believe you. like, of course he did. Let's <laughs> go back to these uh, uh, yes. Q&As and stuff, because yes. you do a lot of them. A lot of them. Um, I, I love we, doing we, them. Uh, a couple weeks ago, our friend uh, of the show, Robert Buscemi, great stand-up comic, was in here, and we were talking about how they can get really frustrating sometimes because of the questions that are asked okay do you find that because you're on the receiving end as a moderator do you, do you see a, a lame question coming at you how do you deal with it oh uh, well uh, first of all when it comes to you know, i usually do with these q a's about a half hour and uh i do it for about 20 minutes and then i open up to the audience and and they yeah, suck and sometimes <laughs> they do suck yeah i mean you know first of all what the worst part mm-hmm. the worst part is when you take a question from somebody in the audience and it's not even a question yes! ah! it's not it's even a, a question right. they just go oh oh oh, oh mr DiCaprio, i just so want to say your work has inspired me i just want to thank you for all the great stuff you do and then i go i take the microphone i go do you have a question? Oh, do you do that? None of people do that. I More do. people. What Thank is your you. question? They go, oh. they go, oh, uh, uh, It's so uh, embarrassing. Uh, oh, my God. Uh, I was supposed hey. to ask a question. Oh, my God. I mean, yeah, that's what's frustrating. I mean, I love doing the Q&As. The hardest thing is when you get someone when you when you get someone on the panel who just answers one word one word oh, answers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Those are tough. Yeah. Uh, I remember one time I had to do Q and A for Interstellar, and there were sixteen people Ugh. on the panel, and I went, and I didn't know that till I got there, <laughs> and I was just like, great. But the best, but, you know, which the, ten of you are not talking? But yeah. you know what? You know, <laughs> the best part, what I strive for doing the Q and As where there's like more than three people is when a conversation breaks out among them and then you could just sit back and just watch it. Right. Because, yeah. you know, you start off, you ask questions and then someone will answer. Then you ask someone else a question, they'll answer. And then someone will start, oh, did you do that? They go, oh, yeah, I did do that. Oh, well, what about you? Oh, yeah. And then it's just you go, okay, my job is done. I'm always amazed when a bunch of working actors don't know how to use a microphone. 
That blows that my mind. Isn't that weird? You don't Happen. know how to oh, hold no, no. that When they go, mouth. is this thing on? I'm like, don't they, you get to they, pay $20 million yeah. for the Wolf of Wall Street? They, they talk and they have it in their lap and you're like, you need to put what that up doing? by your mouth. <laughs> What's wrong with you? So when the director has to step in again. No, the, yeah. the, the, the highlight Amazing. though was last this past January, I did a Q&A with Leonardo DiCaprio and Alejandro Inaritu for uh, The Revenant. Yep. So then... So then um, it went really well, and you know, DiCaprio's up there. And Did I knew. Did you figure out what the word revenant means? Because I, I looked <laughs> that know, up. That's a really good question. It? Yeah. it means what? like a ghost. Hey, guys. <laughs> hey, guys. Which is <laughs> what At least he is. it's a question. <laughs> wow. Just want to know Adam, what that word means? No one ever asked that question. <laughs> See, that's a, a great, great question. question. I don't think you know what that, that, that doesn't mean what you think it means. <laughs> well, I did not think you think <laughs> Inconceivable. <laughs> um, but then, so I found out from his rep. Uh, uh, he was doing a Q&A a couple weeks later and she says uh, he specifically requested me oh, to do the Q&A oh, no. because he liked how the other one went. Oh, and good. I went, okay, so DiCaprio knows who I am. That's right. very cool. And by the way, super nice guy. I think he's a great actor. I thought he should have won the Oscar for Wolf of Wall Street, but it yeah. was up against Matthew McConaughey who won for Dallas Buyers Club. Uh, I love The Revenant. I think it's a great movie. Uh, I, I'm glad that Spotlight won Best Picture. Because I feel like that's that's the kind of movie that should win Best Picture because it's about something, whereas The Revenant, it's a it's about revenge. It's just done really, really, really well. Mm-hmm. But you know, DiCaprio just goes through the ringer in that movie, and he doesn't. But he doesn't say a whole lot. He's very reactive instead of proactive. But it's still a great film, and and um, I, I mean, look, I, I get asked to do these Q and A's a lot during award season. Like yeah. between October and, and February is when I do them the most, and I love doing them. You know, uh, the it's only a high time for cues. High time for cues. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot and of A's. cues in that area. A lot of yeah. cues and A's. You bring the A's. You, gotta, yeah. you bring the A's. Yeah. But wow, you you uh, <laughs> we know a lot of same people. It sounds like. Okay, I don't know who else. I mean, I could just start throwing out names. I just throw out names. Inarito, do you know Inarito? <laughs> <laughs> so we don't know Leo. We don't know Matt Damon. Who else do, you, do we not know? We don't know. <laughs> yeah, we. Uh, uh, we had Why Ian don't you Gomez start? Here. You start, and we'll just let you know if we know that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. By the way, remember, Paul, we went to a Q&A for the Lethal Weapons uh, 30th anniversary or something? When, uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, we're 20. And, and there's like an awkward, the th- crazy thing, and I was at a Q&A last night, too, and there's an awkward moment where the whole audience is uncomfortable with whoever's asking the question, uh-huh. and at the oh, Lethal Weapon the one, every time Gary Busey would answer a question, there's that weird awkwardness where everyone, everyone knows he's doing it wrong and being crazy, except... Him, Florence everyone Foster on the stage, <laughs> and it just washes through the crowd. Yep. Three hundred people going, ah, this is uncomfortable. Including Shane Black and then Richard Donner. Yeah, everyone's like, ah, oh, Jesus, uncomfortable. But nobody it's can say it. It's just like being home at Thanksgiving with that crazy aunt <laughs> or uncle, the one that's reporting. You know, they're yeah. voting for tr- Trump. It's just that? like being home with that person. You ever had that situation where you're like, ugh. Everybody knows this is awkward, but you can't just go, Gary Busey, straighten your, straighten up. Come on. You know, most of the time, like, <laughs> you, you know, sometimes if I'm sitting there, you know, uh, I'll sit and I'm, you know, in front of the crowd. And I, and I do what I love doing the most about the Q&A's versus the on camera stuff is I know how to work the crowd. Mm-hmm. I love getting the feedback from the crowd. I know how to get them riled up. I know how to get them pumped. I know how to direct questions to the panel if there's more than three people on it. So so it's even. Everyone has enough time because otherwise, you know, if you have a question, if you, if you, like when I did the Q&A for that movie Cake with Jennifer Aniston, mm. it was Jennifer Aniston, the director, the writer, a couple of producers. And I thought all people are going to want to ask her questions for Jennifer Aniston. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I start off the Q&A for like 15, 20 minutes and I was spreading them out. And then, of course, I took questions from the audience. They were all directed 
at Jennifer Aniston. So after every couple questions for Jennifer Aniston, I would throw in a question to the director. I would throw in my own question to the writer. So that in the end, everybody had an equal amount of time to talk about what they wanted to talk about. But still, you're sitting up there and you're just going like, whoa, that's Rachel Green. That's awesome. (laughs) You know, (laughs) It's really cool. I mean, even when when I was doing uh, the Q&As with DiCaprio, I mean, he's, he's a pretty private guy. He, he makes his movies, he publicizes them, and then he goes away. He doesn't, you don't really see him a he's lot good. that much, you know? He's with mean, several models, and he just goes away with Yeah, them. he got tired. <laughs> he sequesters he's himself busy. in a yacht with the Victoria's Secret. He's got models. He he's breaks busy. up with the hottest women on the planet because he can. Because they keep making more. Because, <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Hey, look, a new one. He gets older, and they stay the <laughs> same age. Nice. I, I want to run you through a few things that we talk about here on the show all the time. Uh, one of them is movie jail. Okay. It's a phrase we came up with where it's that movie you should have seen by now, but you haven't. And because you haven't, off to movie jail with you. For example, I saw A Christmas Story for the first time (gasps) a year and a half ago. How dare you? I was in movie jail until then. I got out. And I just saw Casablanca a couple months ago. Double Indemnity. But on the big screen because we live in L.A. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Double Indemnity. Same thing. That's what's great about living in L.A. is being able to see classic movies on the big screen. I love going to like the New Beverly, the Egyptian. Uh, it, it's it, you know the ArcLight does a lot of special yeah, events and screenings. Oh, yeah. I'm when at the it, New Beverly five days out of the week. It's it's the greatest <laughs> place. And it's Quentin Tarantino must love you. Uh, like, like every yeah. time, whenever <laughs> there is a theater in LA showing 2001: A Space Odyssey uh, on the big screen, I will drop what I am doing to see that movie on. Are the Are you big going screen. to the rooftop of the Montalban? Yes, I am. Uh, I mean, oh, but I, 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 I remember that. one of those times was on December tw- December 31st, 2001. They had a screening of 2001 and 70 millimeter at mm. the Egyptian. I thought, if there's ever a day to see 2001 A Space yeah. Odyssey, it's got to be on the last day of 2001. And it was a brand new 70 millimeter print. It was gorgeous. But Movie Jail, I never saw Lawrence of Arabia. Whoa. Oh, yep. Movie yeah. Jail, baby. Yeah, never for a saw movie it. guy. But it's boring, so yeah. I haven't yeah. seen no. it either. It's, it's long. also long. It's long, long kind of boring. Action city for yeah. really? many hours. Well, that's a great question, though. What else yeah. you got? Hit me up. Uh, well, I'm in movie jail see. for that. But uh, what movies did you grow up with that were just always on HBO that you loved? We talk about that all the time. Too. Oh, the HBO you, mentioned, you already mentioned like Clash of the Titans and things like that. But that you oh. wouldn't go to see it in the theater. Close Encounters of the Third Kind was on HBO all the time. Uh, the Black Hole was on HBO. By the way, all the Black time. Hole you the, could remake and I wouldn't be upset. Absolutely, I love that movie. Yeah, and uh, let's see, the right stuff I saw a bunch of times. Oh on HBO. yeah, that was, that was HBO movie. Great yep. movie. All the time. Great film. Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan. Uh, I saw that movie like 300 over times. I swear to God. The Road Warrior. Yes. You know, these are they did movies. Play that time, uh, yeah. Even, even. Let's see. Wait, 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 wait. What else? Uh, you know, this is like going back to my childhood. Savannah right? Smiles. Yes. Savannah Smiles. Which I saw in the theater. Six oddly. Pack and anything with Emmanuel. All, all the marbles. Yeah. Six Pack. Uh, roller, solar babies, solar babies, <laughs> solar babies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, like wouldn't the see it in the theater, but you see it every day. On the the Twilight Zone movie from 1983 yes. was on all the time. Yeah. That's a great movie. I love that movie, even though Vic Morrow died in it. But you know, it's still a good movie. <laughs> hey, you want to hear a funny conspiracy theory? Let's hear it. Okay, so there was a ripoff of Jaws called Great White, right, made by an Italian director and starring Vic Morrow. Okay, and it was such a ripoff of Jaws that it actually Universal sued and got it removed from theaters. And then later, they killed him. They killed Vic Morrow. <laughs> wow. 
Oprah Jaws <laughs> ripoff. <laughs> and I'm wearing a Jaws t-shirt. Jaws 19. This time, it's really, really personal. Look, These it's are great true. questions. Isn't that These a great, great conspiracy theory? Go ahead. That is a crazy <laughs> conspiracy theory. Uh, well, let's see. We're, we're there, there's a big jump in a that bit. theory. There's, yeah. there's this thing, and then there's this big uh, sure. jump, and then this thing happens. Of course. Uh, so the panel I attended at Comic-Con that you were in charge of was yep. I guess you do this every year you look at the movies from 30 years ago right. and one by one you say you, you put to the panel why blank is the greatest movie, movie of, of that year yes. and so for 86 he went through Star Trek 4 and Aliens uh. and The Fly and Ruthless People and all these great movies uh, so let's do that real quick here uh, before we get to the finale of, of every show with this year okay so Scott yes tell me yes. why why oh the nice guys is the best movie of 2016. Nice Guys is the best Hollywood movie of 2016 <laughs> because it's written and directed by Shane Black. Oh, yeah. You have Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe are awesome together. They have amazing chemistry. This is from the writer of Lethal Weapon. He knows how to put two people together and make magic. It's smart. The story is really smart. It's very stylish because it takes place in, in the late 70s. It has a great soundtrack and it is really damn funny. The dialogue in this movie is great. Any movie that has the following line, the following line, and I quote, marriage is buying a house for someone you hate. It's <laughs> got to be nominated for an Academy Award. That movie should have been a big hit. It only made $34 million domestically, and that's a problem. Well, everybody's complaining that there's no original movies out there because everything's a sequel and or you remake. Get and one, don't go see that. And you get one and you don't go see it. You're like exactly. a movie attorney. Yeah, like, like you can convince right. that's anybody that, that's not your fault that you killed that guy. <laughs> let, me, let me explain to you why he had it come. Hey, that bartender Wait, did I practically. You was that a good answer? Scott, that was tell, me, tell me answer. why. Yes. Deadpool is the greatest film of Deadpool 2016. Deadpool is one of the greatest comic book movies ever made. It's the first, like, well, I want to say it's the first R-rated comic book movie because Kick-Ass was also an R-rated comic book movie. Andrew. That was awesome. But this one's based on a higher-profile property from Marvel. Ryan Reynolds killed it. He owned that character. He lobbied for years and to get that movie to, made. Yeah. He And he put everything Action. into it. It was, a, it was a smart film from beginning to end. It was a spoof of superhero movies. The way he broke the fourth wall all the time. From the opening credits... To the to the end of the film, everything about it just it was a big fat tongue in cheek movie that was exhilarating and fun and super violent and sexy and cool. Do you know Rhett Reese? Who's Rhett oh, Reese? Yeah. Rhett Reese. He wrote that. He wrote that movie. Oh, that's cool. Oh, he, so you don't know him? Don't he know. was here. Right. He was here. Was he? Wow. See, go, see how that works? Like when we know somebody and he doesn't, it's a big fart. But when he knows somebody that we know, oh, hey, amazing. Am I doing all right, Paul? It's doing good. All right, all right, what else? No, you got? Why don't you also tell me? Okay. Why? Ten Cloverfield Lane is the best film. By the way, I just want to throw this out there. Paul is imitating me. That's true. <laughs> That's how he put it to the panel every time. Every single movie. I, said, I love it. I said to Charles De, La, De, De Lazarica, I said, tell me why Howard the Duck is the greatest movie of 1986. And he goes, well, it's not. <laughs> By the way, you could, the remake, you could remake that. Howard the Duck, you know what? Should they should. That. It yeah. They should. Ten Cloverfield Lane. Ten Cloverfield Lane. What I love about Cloverfield is that it's only it's only a sequel to the to the other Cloverfield in name only. But they're establishing with this Cloverfield series is an anthology film series like the Twilight Zone. There's nothing common. The movie has nothing in common with the other film with the monster, the found footage type movie that they did before that was a big hit when it came out. Uh, 
something get five years ago. Get to John Goodman. Okay, John Goodman was great in Amazing. this movie. Amazing. He should get nominated for an he Oscar. Should, right? You never know if he's lying or oh. if he's telling the truth. Yeah, the great. entire time. And Mary Elizabeth Winstead played oh. it. She was right on point with that performance. It was a crack. It was a uh, a, a white knuckle thriller it that was like kept a you on the edge of your seat. At the end, yeah, it really in the was. end, it becomes an origin story. Yeah. It was it excellent. Was it was excellent. Mm-hmm. Now the next Cloverfield movie, they do one. It's going to have nothing in common with these last two, except the somehow name. they're going to figure out how to how to interweave the name Cloverfield into it. Like just at the end of every Twilight Zone episode, he always goes into Twilight Zone. Anyway, what else you got? Hit me up. Tell me. Tell me why. Why. Elvis and Nixon is the best film of 2016. Elvis and Nixon, that was a really fun, funny movie. I mean, you have Michael Shannon playing Elvis, who was so, he looks like he's having a ball. And so does Kevin Spacey. Underplays it, right? Uh, He underplays Elvis. Sort of underplays it. And it's hard to not overplay Elvis. Well, 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 it's hard to not overplay (laughs) Elvis. We all know how to imitate Elvis. He didn't do that. It's also hard not to imitate Nixon. But these guys just sort of like capture the spirit, the essence of these guys. And it's sort of a real bizarre fly on the wall encounter, uh, a, a depiction of an encounter that didn't, that, that you would think never happened, but it actually did. And the speculation about what really went on, it, it's so much fun that these guys actually did meet. There's that famous photo of them, the black and white photo of them Can shaking tag hands. Tag in. Good. Tag. Can I tag in? Good. The thing is, he underplays Elvis, but Nixon is the complete stereotype. That is the most That's brilliant true. thing about that movie. Is that and, and they cue the audience because several times Michael Shannon says the phrase, thank you very much, but he doesn't say the thank way, of much. course, right. you could say that. Whereas Nixon is the complete stereotype. After you've gotten this whole somewhat subtle new kind of version of Elvis, then you've got the Nixon. I it's love Elvis and Nixon. I love that movie. <laughs> well, then tell me why. Tell me why. <laughs> and we, uh, real quick, we'll maybe do a couple more of these. <laughs> okay. Hardcore Henry is the best film I of 2006. What? Get out. I hated that movie. I hated Hardcore Henry. There's the door. I, wait. Stop the recording, I did Paul. something. Stop recording. I did something in Hardcore Henry. I've only other. I've done only one other Don't time in my Don't life. Don't Threw your hat at the screen? I'm going to say it, Adam. I walked you not. out of there. That is not the I problem child out. of this generation. I walked out <laughs> of there. I was like, I got nauseous. It's I me, Jimmy. Like, you didn't is, like that? It's me, Jimmy. Not Jimmy. Oh, he didn't get to that. You didn't get to the musical sequence? I, oh, get I out of here. Out Stop of right now. Henry. Watch it again. I, no way. Wait, you need to no win way. back the favor of this table. Right, Tell go. me why, <laughs> why Captain America Civil War is the best film of 2016. Captain America Civil War is big. It's bold. It's ambitious. There's a lot going on in this movie. You have the amazing Spider-Man stole the film. Tom Holland. I can't wait to see his uh, Spider-Man standalone movie Homecoming when it comes out next year. You know, Captain America and and Iron Man. Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans. You have a great cast. Marvel, they just know what they're doing. Captain America Civil War had so many superhero movies in this film. It was like a mini Avengers movie unto itself. Boom! Can I tell like you out? Uh, yeah. One I'm other sure thing, in agreement. Yeah. One other thing that did, yep. that, that was amazing, was that unlike Batman v Superman, which said Batman v Superman, and that's the title, and it's all about Batman v Superman, this movie made no, uh, aside from the Civil War, that they had the incredibly fun uh, airport sequence where everybody was fighting, but it was all kind of fun. Yeah, it was all kind then of fun. Then they got rid of everybody but Tony Stark and Captain America, and then really had it out, which I, was awesome but, way to... 
uh, the other thing movie. that Captain America Civil War did that Batman v Superman didn't do as well was it addressed the whole concept of accountability. Like you have all this collateral damage That's going true. on while the That's superheroes true. are fighting. People are going to die. People are going to mm-hmm. get hurt. Well, here comes Batman v Superman and, and Captain America Civil War that says, hey, guys, yeah, thanks for saving the world. But about those 20 people who died or those million people who died in Metropolis at the end of Man of Steel, you're, it's your fault. You know, and both of those movies address that. Captain America: Civil War just did a better Much job. Much better. Jimmy, what that, else you got? What no, else no, you got? Wait, what else we you got? got? Hold on, hold on. We're done. That is why Pacific Rim is the greatest <laughs> movie of all time because they took their fight out to the ocean where no one's going to get hurt. There's no collateral damage, and they had great Pacific fight sequences. Pacific Rim was a was a poor man's Transformers oh, movie, gosh. and I hate mm, those movies. I think you're thinking of Godzilla, but. Uh, <laughs> What else you got? What else right. you got? Do you right. want to... Wait, no, we got to get on to the one end last of the thing show. About Civil War. Can you say one last thing Go about ahead. Civil yeah. War? It's amazing because that accountability moment... Yeah. Is the, the, the I guy, promise this is amazing. Uh, okay. But the uh, who is it that meets Tony at the... Uh, the actress who meets uh, Tony at the uh, uh, elevator? What's her name? Oh, um, Alfred Woodard. Alfred Woodard, right? Awesome. Only Only one part. A part that Batman versus Superman could dream of having that is so incredibly subtle that, in fact, like great dramas of the year could dream of having is when he meets her because she is the one who lost a son in the Avengers. Oh, movie, that's a right? great scene. Yeah. That's a great scene. And there's that moment where he goes to the elevator, she's standing in front of the elevator, and they start this tension rises, and then he looks down and she has not pressed the button. Yeah. She's not waiting for the elevator. She's waiting for him. Mm-hmm. That is an amazing piece of drama that is in a superhero yeah. movie that. Great dramas yeah. of the year could hope to have. Yeah. I think it's no, amazing. That's, that's you great never asked me what too. my favorite movie was. We have to end on, on oh, Captain America Civil War, though, because it is the best film of the year. So it is. we're oh, done. Thank you. But oh, yeah, what is your favorite movie of all time? My favorite movie of all time is Blade Runner. Nice. Blade Runner, and that was not always my favorite movie. Yes. Because when it I saw boring, it as a kid, when I was 13 years old, I did think it was boring. But here's, here's what's interesting about Blade Runner Blade Runner came out the same month. The same month in 1982 as Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. That does not e- make the movie better. E- Wait, hang on. E.T. the Extraterrestrial, Poltergeist, and The Thing. F- all five of those movies came out in June of 1982. Your favorite but year for movies. Quest for Fire. Blade, Blade Runner is the greatest year for movies. <laughs> <laughs> can't but it. I'm telling you, Blade Runner was a movie I thought it was boring when I first saw it back in Philadelphia when I was 13 years old. When I moved out here, I saw the director's cut, and I was like, oh, wow, okay, I get it. Now I get it because they dropped the Harrison Ford voiceover, which was bad. They added in this like little scene of, Har- of Decker dreaming about a unicorn, which really alludes to what maybe this guy's a replicant after all. But the score by by Vangelis is great. It is a prov- it's provocative. It's sci-fi at its very greatest. It was ahead of its time. You could shoot that movie today, and it would look like that. It looks like it could have been made today. But what really sealed the deal for me was when I saw the final cut in 2007. And, you know, I saw it on the big screen, and I was like, wow, this looks like it could have been made today. So many movies were inspired by Blade Runner, Strange Days, Minority Report. Uh, uh, One of my favorite movies of all time is Children of Men from 2006. That was inspired by Blade Runner. It's it's just a perfect, perfect movie. Every time I see it, I get something else out of it. And, And that's a movie I had to grow into. Another film that I love, that I've always loved. I mentioned it a couple times while we're joking around today, is Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I've always loved that movie. It's my favorite Spielberg movie. And it is the The greatest greatest movie movie of 1977. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know, boring doesn't mean bad because 2001 is boring. But 
but once you understand what kind of boring it is, it then becomes engrossing. And the last time I saw Blade Runner, I was realized I was seeing it with people. And it that, was that 4K screening on yes, the lot, right? At it, Legendary. It, it, yeah. You know, 2001 is a movie. It took me decades to wrap my head yeah. around what that movie is about, which is the it's history work. of human consciousness. That you have the monolith, okay? The monolith is buried, is, is on is on the earth. The, the apes touch it. Then it disappears. It goes up to the moon where it's buried. Only when humanity can be smart enough to dig up the monolith on the moon, mm-hmm. follow the beam from the monolith on the moon to the to, to the one where Jupiter is, only when humanity is smart enough to get to Jupiter where that other monolith, monolith is, will they be worthy of advancing to the next step of their evolution. Boom. That's what 2001 is and about. And it's Boom. even better when you have the, take com- the complete rescore of it to Pink Floyd, which I did with movie guy Steve oh. Lewis. And I will bring that on an iPod when we go see it at the Monobahn. And, and you've got to experience it that way. And that will prove why <laughs> 2001 Space Odyssey <laughs> is the greatest movie of 1968. Score to Pink Floyd. <laughs> All right, listen, it's time to take things home with Karen's birthdays. Karen's weekly look at the birthdays of those who make the movies. Take it away. Karen's birthdays. It's time for Karen's birthdays. Karen's birthdays. Karen's birthdays. It's time for Karen's birthdays. All right, let's start off our week of birthdays by wishing a very happy birthday to Miss Kristen Wiig, who turns 43, but complaining away from a bridesmaid to a Ghostbuster. Currently, she's voicing a hot dog bun in Sausage <laughs> Party opening this week. And of course, she also is in Ghostbusters, which is still in theaters. She was born in Canadagua, New York. Oh, no kidding. Can Canadagua. you believe that? Wig or Wig? Wig? Why? Can- Canadagua. <laughs> what do you say? Her Wig. last name, Kristen Wig. I didn't say wig. No, I was I was asking if it was well, wig. Well, it's spelled wig, so that's why and I she said, said it that way. Wig. <laughs> oh, I thought there were two eyes in it. There are. Yeah, there are. So, so it's a pre- so it's technically wig. Wig. Christian wig. wig. It's Canadian. And she also grew up in West in Rochester, New York. And her dad ran a lake marina in western New York. She, oh. she grew up in Rochester. Who knew? How crazy. I know. Then she went to Brighton High School in Rochester, and then she went to Arizona. As an art student, not even an acting student, took one acting class, loved it, said heck with that, moved out here and did The Groundlings. And then do you know what her first big screen movie role was? Uh, I'm probably going to be wrong with Knocked Up. But you are absolutely right. Oh, I'm right. Yes. Oh, okay. She was hilarious yeah, in that. She was Catherine Heigl's passive aggressive boss. That was hilarious. She she stole those scenes. She and Alan Tudyk worked at the office. She's like, oh, she told us she needs to tighten it up. <laughs> oh, 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 okay. Now uh, she said that a lot of her comedy doesn't come from being mean spirited, which I I absolutely love about her comedy. I think that's really fantastic. And I just find that very interesting because her cast of Ghostbusters is almost reuniting for the movie Masterminds, which is going to come out in September. It's going to be Kristen Wiig, Leslie Jones, and Kate McKinnon. And then they had to bring in Zach Galifianakis and Owen Wilson to take over the Melissa McCarthy role. It It took two two. of them Yeah, she's very funny. Wow, Mm -hmm. Leslie Jones is another movie. That's brave of her because the internet tried to kill her in Ghostbusters. (laughs) Well, (laughs) maybe it's because she was already filming that movie before everyone tried to kill her. Good, good. So this is good. Maybe they'll accept this one. It's it's important because, you know, other people make movies like, I don't know, Rob Schneider. Nobody tries to kill him. Nobody says, how dare you? How dare you be (laughs) in a movie? Someone should have stepped in. (laughs) Intervention there. Leslie Jones is getting started. Let's, uh, let's, she's adorable too. I like her. And let's wish a very happy birthday to Chris Hemsworth. Today is his birthday. And this is hard to believe. He's only 33. Wow. I'd like to wish him a very hunky birthday. A very hunky birthday. Did you hear hear that J.J. Abrams, Mm. by the way, J.J. Abrams gave me the scoop at the junket for Star Trek Beyond. We don't know him. That, that Chris Hemsworth, (laughs) who played George Kirk, Captain Kirk's father in Star Trek 2009, 
he's going to return in the next Star Trek movie. So you're going to have James Kirk, played by Chris Pine, and George Kirk, his father, played by Chris Hemsworth, what? in the same movie. And here I have Untitled That's Star great. Trek sequel. Oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. That's great. IMDb says it. That's great because the way they folded all the Spock stuff mm-hmm. in that, of course, and now... You know, Chris Hemsworth is so big. Of course, you could put them in. You know, fold the timelines again. That's great. And uh, we all know yeah. he's currently starring as Kevin in Ghostbusters. And this is kind of an interesting <laughs> little thing. His uncle, by marriage, was Rod Ansel, the Bushman who inspired the film Crocodile Dundee. Oh, what? Wow. <laughs> Isn't that hysterical? I That's royalty. That. Yeah. You know, not blood relative, but it's kind of yeah. cool. He also starred in Home and Away as a soap opera actor in Australia. And do you guys know what his first movie was? This impressed the heck out of me. Who's for, who are we at? Who we're talking about? about Chris Hemsworth, who's having a birthday. Did you listen to the birthday Yes, I didn't segment? know if we were asking about his uncle's first movie. Oh. No, he was distracted because no. he thought you said Far and Away, his and he was thinking of Tom movie? Cruise. Oh. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Will we know? Let me start again. What is Chris Hemsworth's first movie in the United States? I don't think he did any movies in Australia. What but year the one, was it? Uh, real recently. Star Trek. Star Trek? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. Very good. I just think it's really impressive to be your first big screen movie. Oh, yeah. That is a fantastic... Uh, that is just super cool. Those first 10 minutes but, with him were great. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he's got to okay. carry a brand new Star Trek a brand new st- film yeah, before Kirk huge. comes on the scene. Yeah. Uh, his, I, I just looked at his IMDb <laughs> credits, and he, I think he's you know he's starting to grow on me, obviously, because he plays Kevin. But he if you just read these, it's just hysterical, because obviously he knows how to pick good franchises. But I also think this is a really good sign that people work with him and go yeah let's do that again because he must show up on time and know his lines so (laughs) here we go so it starts off with thor thor god of thunder the video game voice Mm -hmm. the avengers where he plays thor then he does something different snow white and the huntsman then he goes star trek into darkness then rush rush was good a game changer for him was good because he was able to do something a little different and they said jason patrick let's not do any more of that let's go right back to (laughs) thor the dark world then the avengers age of ultron where he played thor then Let's have him be funny. A little vacation. We can't have too much of that, though. We have to go back to the Huntsman's Winter Tale. And then he did Ghostbusters. But now he's going to do the Star Trek sequel. He has Thor Ragn- Ragnarok. Ragnarok coming up. And Avengers Infin- Infinity War. Jeez. Hey, he can play Thor. Might as well forever. go right back into that. And let's not forget, he was also in the Heart of the Sea. Right. Uh, another Ron Howard oh, yeah. after working with Ron Howard on Rush. So. Did not like yeah. that movie. So he brings it. Yeah, I just whatever. think it's kind of neat that, that he always can just go back to I Thor. On that oh. note, Bart, you know I love when celebrities sing. <laughs> this is true. This is going to happen to you now that you've been on the show. People are going to come up to you on the street, and they're going to say, tell me two fascinating things about that Karen Volpe. Fascinating. And the first thing you're going to want to tell them is you say, you take that Florence Foster Jenkins, and you take away her money, and you give her a bunch of talent, and that's Karen Volpe. <laughs> yeah, but, she, but she dies at the end. <laughs> we all die. And then we you tell them the second the thing they need to know about Karen Volpe yes. is that she loves when celebrities sing. I <laughs> do. I, well, yes. Can we can we just talk about how awesome it was to have me you on your show? Oh I mean, yeah, we'll get to that in a second. I mean, uh, this we don't is have like time. we don't have like, time for that. Like, it takes too much time. Or, you know. Oh, I'm sorry, we're out of time. <laughs> <That's okay>. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a little Kristen Wiig singing from a television show called Spoils Before Dying, called Booze and Pills, and she's a pretty good singer. <laughs> Kind of sexy, yeah. Wow, she's good. She looks so pretty. I feel like the boobay should learn this song. Yeah, pills and booze. (laughs) I thought it was going to be a funny song. No, it's actually pretty good. Spoils Before Dying. It was on IFC. 
eight episodes. And that wraps another movie know. showcast, everybody. Together with the movie guys individually, we are Here not Scott Manson. Scott Manson. Yes. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at the Movie Guys, Facebook.com slash the Movie Guys, iTunes, Instagram, Google Plus, all that stuff. And thanks to uh, our listeners on WRFA 107.9 in Jamestown, New York. Please come back every Monday night at 8. And thanks to Scott Mads. Scott Can I just say it was a pleasure having you on the show? What a pleasure it was to be on the show with the four of you. Give me plugs. Where are we we following you? Follow me on Twitter at Movie Mance. It's movie with an M-A-N-T-Z. You can like my Facebook page, which is Scott Mance. So you follow me on uh, Instagram, which is The Movie Mance. I know I'm all over the place. Catch me on Access Hollywood and Access Hollywood Live and AccessHollywood.com. And, uh, you know, maybe I'll be back if you'll have me back. They don't stop making movies. No, they don't. (laughs) Uh, Also, thanks to Steve Schultz for his writing contributions to the show every week. And as ever, we owe everything to To Pat Pat Peach. Peach. Next week, surprise, surprise, another remake. What? (laughs) Ben-Hur. Oh. 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 Ben-Hur, let's remake that movie said nobody ever. (laughs) Plus, we'll look at War Dogs and Kubo and the Two Strings. And we'll see you then. (laughs) Wow, that's crazy. Bye-bye. I think we all get a unison Florence Foster Jenkins. (laughs) Florence Foster Jenkins! Damn it, Florence. Damn it, Florence. Oh, now he's singing.